Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. How you doing, bud? I'm doing good. How was your weekend? It was really good. It was so good. So we had fun yesterday on the national show, which is always um, enjoyable. That was four hours instead of five hours. And by the fourth hour, it's like, well, what do I do with the rest of the thoughts that I have? You're a celebrity now, Vaughn. And that was like, yeah, two shows on the network. And now, I mean, I, I don't open my own doors anymore. <laughs> I, uh, I, I I ask for no eye contact in the building when I walk by salespeople. <laughs> Um, please look at my shoes. They, I'm wearing my nice blue uh, LeBrons today. Please look at those. Admire those. But no, so that was great. Had a had an awesome date day with Vanessa on Saturday. We just went down to Chagrin Falls, and we just did the we, we kind of jumped around the different spots down there. And I found exactly the right mix of walking around a, a beautiful small town like that, that little town square. Yep. And exactly how many uh, drinks gets Vanessa to tap out on date day? It was two. It was two. By the second cocktail, she's like, I think I'll just have water. She was like falling asleep at the third place. I'm like, are you okay? And she's like, I just, I just am a little tired. And she swears she doesn't sound like that. It's all I hear. <laughs> like she gets like Southern Valley girl like real quick there once she's got that second cocktail. But no, it's great. It's wonderful. How about you? It was all right. Went to the auto show. Got to uh, check out some of the uh, the latest and greatest and Automotive technology. Now, do you go? Do you prefer to see the new cars, or do you do you prefer to to see the classic cars? I go more for the classic cars. So I really love it because I I do love trucks. You guys know Silverado, Sarshon Chevrolet, SarshonChevrolet.com. Cheap plug. Um, I love to always look at the new trucks. After that, I'm not gonna look at all the sedans. I'm not gonna look at the minivans. Just get me. Go, I'm gonna go from the trucks to the classic cars as quick as humanly possible. Not a lot of sedans out there these days. It's all about the crossovers and the SUVs and the trucks. And the, I would say if there was one disappointing part of the auto show, mm-hmm. besides the the size of it, because it' a lot smaller than I'm I'm used to, mm-hmm. was um, but how the, you use the auto show. I would say the amount of uh, electric vehicles that were locked, like mm. you couldn't get into them. Why? I Elon don't know. got them on lock. Uh, apparently not. You just you got to see the outside of them. <laughs> but right. um, Keith is chomping. Well, at I was the bed. just going to ask. Like you, you included minivans in that. I was like, I how many I, people are going to an auto show to look at minivans? People go to look at all those cars. Hey, like they, you, you. Everybody has a car type. There are absolutely people out there. Listen, they have I'm the, not shading minivans. When I moved back, or when I moved to Charlotte, I had to rent a minivan for a week, and I will tell you, they're lovely. The, I just look ridiculous in them. All right, so there's Minivan Hive, at Nick Wilson says, at Keith Britton. Oh, I'm not saying there's anything against them. I'm just saying, like, I don't know that people are going to an auto show seeking out. Uh, I, gotta I think you go newest, to look at the, the new models, whatever, whatever model you're Listen, looking for. They, they had dumb trucks. Or you trucks just go to a, a parking lot where, where there's where they sell cars and look at them. You go save a lot? Oh, wow, look at this one, Dolores. It's the 2022. <laughs> like... No, the car dealership down the road. They haven't sitting all out on the lot. Okay, but it's not a car show. That's one spot. And then you got to deal at the wrong car spots. Got to deal with the pushy well, salespeople. Engines that one got Keith, in it. Keith, Keith's the guy that goes and looks at the Amazon work vans that they have on display. <laughs> yes, the, the conversion vans. vans. Yes, yep. Yeah. <laughs> Keith, you know. Oh, watch out for Keith.
All right, 216-474-0092. At Nick Wilson says, what Keith, what's your handle? At Keith Britton? 86. All right, 86. I wonder what that number could be. You, you have to have a number that, after your name, that's apparently. That's fair, because you're not Keith Britton number one. Somebody, somebody snagged that I'm 86th in line, yeah. Um, but at Keith Britton 86, when you go to an auto show, do you go and look at all the cars, or have you ever gone just to look at minivans? It's okay. You don't have to agree with me. By the way, social media reactions on X, powered by Shivan Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. But uh, that sounds lovely, by the way. And yes, you are right. The classic cars are always the best thing. I'm putting the poll out, by the way. I'm sure it's. I'm sure it's not going to be skewed to your line of thinking. I'll let you read it. Oh, okay. When I get it done. All right. So we'll have that afternoon drive. Uh, afternoon nine two three F A N. Good God, can we change that handle so I can remember it better? Um, all right, so I had a lovely weekend. You had a lovely weekend. Minivans had a lovely weekend. But we welcome back Anthony Lima today on the station. I give him credit. He he waited for one segment before firing a shot across my bow. And obviously last week you and I got into the Russell Wilson stuff. I think everybody on the station kind of got into the situation in Pittsburgh, whether it's die or not. I talked about it on the national show yesterday. And that has Lima in full assault mode this morning. When did we become a Pittsburgh Steelers station? Because it had never been what I had heard over the last three weeks. It had never been that in the history of our station, that we had just focused on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Every day, every show, call in, making fun of the Steelers. And I'm like, why is it the Steelers? If anything, I'm not making fun of the Steelers. That's not me. So if you want to go after one of the other ones, fine. I didn't make fun of the Steelers. Oh, it was a lot of Nick. I, I'll, I'll admit all right, it. All right. I'm, I'm not sitting no over here. I'm telling him. This is what I've seen. And I've seen our Facebook posts. I've seen our videos. I've seen, you know, Nick even, I had just seen, screenshotted his topics for CBS Sports Radio. And it was, you know, going deep in on the Steelers. And I'm like, this is the low point of the Steelers in the last 20 years this is the low point this is our high point they're kind of the same yes. place they're kind of the same spot which well, they is both made the playoffs which is like does that put it in perspective like their lowest equals our highest over the last 20 years well it depends on what you so think should of. we be making fun of them if that's the case I'm not and I'm, why are we not focused on the Ravens the team that won the division or the Bengals that when they have a healthy Joe Burrow they're competing for Super Bowls I, that's different Ken's defensiveness in this is probably my favorite part of the whole thing where he like gets gets upset that Lima might be pointing that he's been making fun of the Steelers. I have no idea why that was. He, but he was shaggy in the conversation. It wasn't me. But that's a good line. But with that being said, um, when am I allowed to enjoy the Steelers rivalry? Like when am I because here's the thing, I wasn't allowed to enjoy it when Ben Roethlisberger went something like forty three and eight over the <laughs> Cleveland Browns over like a fifteen year period. I wasn't allowed to enjoy it when they weren't any good and now I'm not allowed to enjoy what is, yes, yes, it is It is a low bar for them. It is a high bar for us. But I think so much of what our take is about Pittsburgh is informed in the fact that we actually do think that the Browns are pointing upwards and the Steelers are pointing downwards. Why? Because you have stability on every spot. You might not have full-fledged answers at every spot, but you do have stability, and Pittsburgh is turning over another new OC. Pittsburgh is just desperate for any quarterback. Guys, We get, here's the thing. Desperation doesn't always mean you'd make a dumb move externally. Desperation would be if they kept Kenny Pickett and Mason Rudolph and brought in some seventh-round pick to battle for a spot. So Pittsburgh clearly is desperate. And here's the thing. Just because it is the rock bottom for today doesn't mean that it is the end of their free fall. 
And I think if you look at it, if they continue to, while the rest of the NFL goes in, in a hell and high water to find a franchise quarterback, if they keep doing this Humpty Dumpty crap, this if they keep doing this, yes, they're going to start losing more. And so they're in a very precarious situation. But get to, to get back to the greater point here, we're talking about it because they are the rivalry. Like, I I personally dislike Baltimore more than I, I, I dislike Pittsburgh because Pitt, uh, Baltimore, to me, is completely fraudulent in every one of their claims. And I've been through that. Cincinnati, there's a better on-field rivalry right now with Cincinnati. But do you know why we talk about Pittsburgh? Because the rivalry's back. So it is asinine to me that you talk about the state of the Pittsburgh Steelers because, yes, listen, the number one thing is if you could win the AFC North next year, that would be a huge step in saying cementing yourself because that means Deshaun's probably healthy. That means back-to-back winning seasons, all this stuff. But just get to the big picture here. Yes, you do gauge yourself against your division rivals. And even though Pittsburgh has tried to deny, they can't anymore. They were so pissed off about the T.J. Watt thing. That's funny. They were so upset that anytime you talk about their quarterback situation, they make some offhand comment about Deshaun Watson. They are triggered. For the first time, Pittsburgh Steelers fans, of which, by the way, about 15% of the listening audience is Steelers fans. I don't know if you've been out to Manaway County. I don't know if you've Manaway County, Portage County. I don't know if you've been out Manaway Way. I'm telling you, there's a lot more Steelers in our backyard now, and they're a lot quieter. Why? Because they're shook. So this idea, Lima's Mr. Police here, one, we have 25 hours a week. So just quite specifically, if I talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers for two of those hours out of 25 hours, I'm sorry, we're really still not cutting a, we're we're still not the Pittsburgh Steelers affiliate here. Two, yes, we're trying to gauge each other against the other teams in the division, specifically one team that had boots to your ass for 20 years. So I would like to know from Anthony Lima before anything, 216-474-0092, can I enjoy this rivalry? Or can I only enjoy the rivalry if it's one-sided like you seem to only enjoy the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry? Is that the only kind of rivalry when it's one-sided? That's when you can talk mess? Or when it's even for the first time in 20 years, am I allowed to go ahead and make a jokey joke at the expense of them who's chasing Russell Wilson, which is exactly the kind of desperate, dumb thing we did for 20 years? The Yinzers have been laughing at the Browns' incompetence for the last quarter century. All right? The tables are finally starting to turn a little bit in the Browns' favor. So, yes, it's completely acceptable for you, me, Browns fan, to go full Danny Shelton, J-O-P, baby, all over the Steelers at any given moment. Like, well, that's 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 the fun of it. Like I, I also think, like, I'm not trying to, di- di- to direct off the conversation with the Browns, but, like, we don't have the quarterback conversation. We don't have the, the the head coach hot stove conversation. So we have more time because the Browns aren't a dumpster fire. We have more time to look at the other teams. And by yeah. the way, we did talk to Bengals. We talked about the Bengals with T. Higgins for two straight weeks before we knew he was going to get tagged. And we have talked about the Ravens, talked about Lamar. We talked about that right after. We just happened to be talking about the Steelers because they're conflicting reports about whether they're going to get out of their own way with the quarterback spot. Yeah, and, and look um, – I kind of feel like the Steelers are back to where we saw the Browns from 1999 to 2020, Mm -hmm. where, you know, they're searching for answers at the most important position. After having Big Bun and having that answer for nearly two decades, 
Well, they're back to where the Browns are. They're looking for their next guy. And guess what? It ain't Mason Rudolph. It isn't Kenny Pickett. No, no matter how much they want to talk themselves into it, how, and you're the person to answer this, how many former Browns quarterbacks did you try and talk yourself into? This guy might be okay. Most they might of be, them. They, 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 they <laughs> might have something here, right? I mean, do, should I go alphabetically? Yeah, yeah, should I do. go chronologically? Uh, there was uh, Brady, uh, Brady Quinn. I almost said Brady Anderson. That would have been a hell of a portmanteau. <laughs> no, initially there was Doug Peterson because okay. he came in at the end of the season. Then there was Spurgeon Wynn because, you know, Tom Brady was from the same draft class. Then there was uh, Trent Dilfer, Charlie Fry. Derek Anderson, but then that was proven right, only to be disproven. Then Brady Quinn, then Colt McCoy, then Seneca Wallace and Jake DeLome, then Jason Campbell, Brian Hoyer, Brandon Whedon, Johnny Manziel, Brian Hoyer again, Johnny Manziel, Josh McCown. Then there was RG3. Then there was Deshaun Kaiser. Cody Kessler was in there somewhere. Then there was, oh my God, now I'm blanking on the most recent one. one. Who am I missing? Earthquake. Oh, RG3. That fake SOB. Oh, you already said him. Well, him twice because he was extra fake. And then we went back to Josh McCown. Then we went back to Deshaun Kaiser. Then there was a smattering of Tyrod Taylor. Then Baker Mayfield. Then Case Keenum. I've heard Jacoby Brissett. <laughs> I talked myself into that slap ass. Oh, and then we got Deshaun Watson. So you missed Connor Shaw. Oh, damn it. You know what? And, Erase and- that whole thing from the Odyssey. I, I went through all those names and forgot Connor Shaw, which Johnny Benzel has not. Uh, you, you all you also missed Austin Davis. I, I don't know how you could miss Austin Davis. Those Did were the two Jeff best Garcia? days of his life. He was all over Cleveland Sports Talk Radio for uh, about two and a half days. And the great Nick Mullins. Oh, Mully. We didn't call him that, but we should have. You're right. You're right. I should only talk about the Steelers if they're a three-win team. Right. Nope, Lima's right. Why is anybody talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers? It's not like they're one of the... Uh, the teams that has kicked your your butt for 20 years, and now you actually are on even footing with them. Why would you do that? Why would we talk about a team and whether they're doing desperate things like the Cleveland Browns have done, right? Nope. You know what? Rest of the show. We're talking, do the Browns need a new punter because Bajorquez is a free agent? We're going to go ahead and talk, um, oh, uh, ke- should Kevin Stefanski still be on the hot seat? We're going to talk about why this isn't really all that impressive of a season because, you know, we can't just give the Browns their flowers. We have to pee on them after we get through the season. Who's going to call plays? Like, that? that's an existential crisis you know going what? into 2024. 216-474-0092. Who's calling plays for the Cleveland Browns this year, and why does it matter? 216-474-0092. Do you cut Jack Conklin? Do you bring him back? I got to know. Um you Hunter. have three tackles. You have three. You can only play two at a time. What are the Browns going to do? I know I'm not supposed to to talk about uh, drafting a kicker, but 216-474-0092. Do you draft a punter? Do you do it? Is that too desperate? How high is too soon? It's the combine. Should we be scouting punters today? Should the Browns trade Miles Garrett at the peak of his value, coming off a defensive player of the year? I mean, listen, the Browns have only made the playoffs two times in four years, which is two times more than the previous 15 years. We can't enjoy that. Until they win a Super Bowl and until the Steelers have the number one pick, I swear to you, none of you are allowed to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers and what comparatively is a low spot for them. Nope. And you know what? How, don't even think about enjoying the Cleveland Browns. Feel shame for yourself because you don't have an answer on Deshaun Watson. Feel shame for yourself because they, they got blown out in the playoff game. That completely erased an 11-win season that was one of the more fun times we ever had. Also, what do we do? Joe Flacco, 216-474-0092.
I mean, sh- should the Browns trade Deshaun Watson this offseason? I kid. Lima is invited to to call into the show because I just want to know when I can fully talk smack or enjoy the, the, the comparative downfall of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I want to know how bad they have to be before I can have a little bit of fun. How much do I have to punch down before I'm allowed to punch across? Punch even? I don't know. Punch neutral? I don't know. The jab. point is, jab, yes, thank you. Lima uh, took uh, time out of making fun of me for not going to Ohio State and hosting an Ohio State podcast to uh, to take a shot at me about talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback situation last week. And in fairness, he did then go into talking about how everybody on the show talked about it. Um, and I would say because it's uh, relevant news in this division. If Baltimore, last year, Baltimore with Lamar Jackson, they were looking. They they were looking to see whether they're going to get a long term extension there. We talked a lot about Lamar last off season. Um, Joe Burrow, we haven't really talked about a lot. It's been more about is that a rivalry? Is it not a rivalry? But I think what's interesting is I when I hear Lima talk this morning, or when I heard him talking about this, or there's still the Steelers are still on a pedestal. And I I will say you can respect what the Steelers have done the last sixty years and still not necessarily kowtow to that logo. And while the Steelers have still been a winning franchise the last seven or eight years, they haven't been to an AFC title since 2016. They haven't been to a Super Bowl in over a decade. They've got three, uh, I think it's three playoff wins since 2012. And by and large, they've kind of been closer to the middle of the NFL than the entirety of the 2000s in that decade where they were consistently in the AFC title game or they were near the Super Bowl or in the Super Bowl winning the Super Bowl, something like that. So should we still have the Steelers on a pedestal there, Daryl? No, I, th- I think that they get knocked off the pedestal. The Ravens are the team in the division right now that's it's on the pedestal. You could argue the Bengals because the Bengals uh, – have uh, you know been to multiple AFC championship games this particular decade? They've made a Super Bowl uh, this decade, but no, I I, I think this. I actually I'll, I, I'll I have been waiting for at least twelve years for it to be the end of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm-hmm. Okay, for and I've been wrong all twelve times, but I feel like each of the last twelve years, I've gone into the season and been like, yep. This is the year the Pittsburgh Steelers fall off the cliff and it's the beginning of the end for them. Mm-hmm. And every year they just find a way to not do that. Mm-hmm. They they find a way to stick around. And um, I think as long as Mike Tomlin is there, they're going to be stuck in the cycle of mediocrity, mm-hmm. which is I feel like that's where they're at. And it's hard to say they're in a cycle of mediocrity when you win 10 games, you make the playoffs. But let's be honest about it. They were a threat to nobody in the playoffs. The Browns, at least going into the wild card game, the Browns were a threat. Didn't anticipate them getting their doors blown off by the Texans. But like going into that game, I, you know, I'm like, even in my head, I'm like, they need some things to go their way. But the Browns could make some noise here. I, like, just think, I never felt that about the Steelers making the playoffs. To what you were saying, though, like beginning of the season, it was the Bengals that were the the top of the pops. Right. The last two years previously, it had been the Bengals that were the team we all paid attention to because of Joe Burrow. I think going forward, it's still going to go through the Bengals because of Joe Burrow. 
because he's the guy. Like, if all that guy has to do is stay healthy. Now, right. they have to help him stay healthy. But, like, okay, so am I only supposed to talk about the Bengals because I think the division goes through them? And I think it's interesting. Like, I yeah, guys, I think the Ravens could take a step back next year. I think no, they will. I think they will. I mean, they, I don't know they're going to tag uh, Justin Matabike. Matab- God, I'm butchering names left and right here. But they're not going to tag their star defensive lineman. Um, Jadavian's a free agent. Like, you start to look at all the free agents they have. And, yeah, they still have Lamar. And they, they, they can take a step forward. But, like... I'm not afraid of the Ravens going forward. You well, you're already year. seeing the national pieces talk about how the Browns are the team to mm-hmm. take the step back next uh, next season. Which is predictable. I think right. a lot of that has to do with the coverage of Deshaun. It right. doesn't mean they're wrong, by the way. You can be... Especially with the I, defensive line and be, you know, and, I don't think they're analyzing the Browns. With, I don't, I, I don't think the Browns are ever going to be anybody's team that they pick in the preseason because it opens up a can of worms. Right. I, I think, and again, it is valid to say if Deshaun doesn't stay healthy, can you do that again? And the so second half are, of the season, they became became a team to root for mm-hmm. because of Joe Flacco. I should also point out, I let some some Cleveland Browns quarterbacks families down in my little rant there in the first segment. Here are names that I've known to have missed during my rant where I tried to mention every quarterback I talked myself into, which was every quarterback that the Browns have drafted or acquired, signed, traded for since 1999. All 36 of them. I missed Kevin Hogan, Stanford's finest. Fly high, Kevin Hogan. I'm sorry. Jeff Garcia, that one-year blip where he had the playboy wife who was from here and then he signed here and then completely fell apart because they didn't put him in a system that actually made sense for Jeff Garcia. Jeff Garcia, I apologize to you, sir. Brock Osweiler, you were really only here because that second rounder. We bought a second rounder, but he, hey, good for you. Uh, I think I put Jeff Garcia twice here. Luke McCown, the forgotten McCown in this exchange. So I would like to officially apologize to all the quarterbacks that I forgot that have played for the Browns. Bruce Gradkowski, another one. Forgot about Bruce. Uh, there are just so many, so damn many of you. Uh, you know, Charlie Whitehurst, football Jesus. Even though he he saw very few snaps in his time yep. here, but he did. He, you know, what he did see a lot of very happy photogs because he had lovely, illustrious hair. Josh Johnson, uh, another one of those. Did, did somehow, some way, avoided the uh, the pain of having to start for the Browns, but had to to take some snaps. Um, Terrell Pryor. The converted quarterback to uh, receiver. Mm-hmm. Wait, ended. wait. I got to put him on the quarterback jersey when he, he was a wide took, receiver? He, t- he took snaps. Those were wildcat uh, uh, wild snaps. J- Joshua Cribbs took snaps to quarterback. No, I'm, they're not on the jersey. Oh. No, no, okay. no. We're not doing this. No, I will apologize to the people who actually played quarterback here. The people just lined up under center. No. What, what about uh, Trent Richardson played in the Wildcat? Do yeah. I got to list him? Right? Sure, why not? Uh, Go well, for it. Didn't William Green have a Wildcat package? Because remember, Ronnie Brown brought it back. Oh, my gosh, like 05, 07? That was Miami first started the Wildcat, and everybody copied it. I want to say it wasn't run William run, but one of the William Green runs was a Wildcat option. Not calling him a quarterback. Okay. Not a quarterback. I'm drawing my line somewhere, damn it. A man's got to make a stand. That being said, um, I think what's funny is if you asked every Steelers fan, would you rather have the Steelers quarterback situation or the Browns? I think a fair amount of them, almost to a man, they would say 
they would like the Steelers quarterback situation. Yes. I, I thought I thought you were going to Nope. I nope. thought you were headed in a direction I was going to No, they would rather Mason Rudolph start for them. And I think what's wild is I think that if you asked a majority of Browns fans who who maybe don't even follow the the Steelers quarterback situation that that closely, would you rather the Browns quarterback situation or the Steelers quarterback situation? Yeah. And I think I think at least 50% would say the Steelers. And I think those 50% are dead-ass wrong. Well, we'll never accuse Steeler fan of being smart. Well, that is true. Uh, shallow genetic pool, a uh, lot of missing teeth, a lot of yins, a lot of all that. Yins and outs, as it is, instead of ins and outs. No, it's pretty good. Uh, I came up with on the fly. However, I think they're wrong. I uh, Listen, I'm not here to tell you the Browns are in one of the best quarterback situations. But look around. Look at the quarterbacks we you, we went through in that last segment. Every damn quarterback, known to man, that we deluded ourselves into thinking had a chance to pull the sword from the stone and be good. Right. And what what's different with what what's Pittsburgh's done in the last five or six years? What's different than what Pittsburgh's done in the last five or six years and what the Browns did for 20 years? It's been Duck Hodges. It's been Mason Rudolph. There was Josh Dobbs Hope. There was, you know, one-armed Ben Roethlisberger. There was Kenny Pickett because, well, he was right down from the road here, and we know him, and they talked himself into that. They talked themselves into Mason Rudolph about three or four more times. They've done the quarterback jostling, and what's been amazing is it hasn't killed them. Like, their worst finish is 8-8. and That is the surprising part of all this. They're doing what the Browns did for 20 years prior to Baker Mayfield and Deshaun Watson, and some way, somehow... Mike Tomlin's keeping that thing together with duct tape. But I think people just assume, because that is what has been, that is what will be. And I'm going to make a very bold prediction now. Keith, please timestamp this. Put this in a folder somewhere where if next January I'm wrong on this, if this happens and I'm wrong, please feel free to bring it out. Are you going to jump in the lake if you're wrong? Uh, No, no, no. My boys can't handle that February weather on the uh, the midsection there. Well, neither could Hughes. That's why he waited till July. And here's the thing. You hated seeing Hugh Jackson's ass in Lake Erie? <laughs> Literally like, and figuratively. Yes. Yeah, you're going to hate seeing mine a lot worse, all right? It, it will blind you. You think the eclipse could damage your eyes? Wait till you see my full moon coming out of Lake Erie there. Now, that being said, um, if they really do, if their plan is we're going to bring back Mason Rudolph, Kenny Pickett, and some seventh-round pick, they're going to have their first losing season under Mike Tomlin next year. I am guaranteeing that is going to happen. You, this is the reality of the NFL. You can piecemeal things for a while, all right? You, honestly, you can do what the Browns did with Joe Flacco. You don't get to kick the can down the road on quarterbacks to this extent. If you get Russell Wilson, I think they'll have a chance to win the division next year because they. if you put the same numbers Russ had this last year in Denver in Pittsburgh, they're winning, they're winning more than 10 games, believe it or not, because that's how bad the quarterback play was for most of that season. But if you just run it back with these two absolute duds in Pittsburgh, in a year's time, let me put it this way. In a year's time, Deshaun stays healthy, plays 16 games, 17 games, 15 games. I think there's a chance that we talk about the Browns stacking winning seasons for the first time in forever. Um, I don't see there being a road out. It's just running it back. And And the continuity that you've had from Baker to Deshaun, even though you've had lapses of not being able to play, um... Deshaun because of the suspension and then injuries there is like there is a huge benefit to going into every offseason not having to ask yourself 
who's going to be the starting quarterback next year. You have a different different conversation, which is can you keep him healthy, but you don't have to go into every offseason wasting draft picks, wasting um, money, wasting effort, mentality, trying to build your entire offseason around a quarterback that you don't have yet. When's the last time the Browns had back-to-back winning seasons? And I confess, I had to look it up because it's been so long. 88-89? Yeah, you nailed it. 88-89. I, I, I put my went arms up six. like I won with that. Nobody really won with yeah. that nugget. And 89, they uh, went 9-6-1. and one. And 89's the last time uh, that they have won the division, the old AFC Central. And then, of course, prior to this past season, it was also the last time that the Browns finished ahead of the Steelers in the standings. So thankfully, at least one streak is, has been ended. The Browns are finished a season ahead of the Steelers. But that that's just incomprehensible when you think about it's been that long since they've been able to, to win a division. DC on Twitter saying Ken Dorsey. Forgot to, to all the Dorseys, uh, including Ken, John, Jimmy Jack, did you say Jason Campbell? Yes, okay. I did. I remember that one. There were so many. Like, that was right around got... the time I had to go and take yeah, in a breath okay. to, he, to start mentioning the second round. Just want to make sure he didn't get lost yeah, in never, the weeds there. Never. He played I mean, at there, least 10 games. There were people in town that were talking themselves into Jason Campbell being the savior of the Browns franchise. I never said savior, but I liked it a lot. We've archived all the past episodes so you can hear what you missed, but don't miss the next live episode of Carmen and Lima's Emerging Podcast Scene, Tuesday and Thursday mornings at 10.15, presented by Extend Technologies on the 92.3 The Fan Extra Channel, part of the Odyssey app. We might disagree on sports, but they do a hell of a podcast there. They do a hell of a show. That was fun going back at Lima today. I missed our wars. Three weeks. Yep, Lima a little backed up. Because Ken's too damn dignified. All right, Ken doesn't want to get in the, he doesn't want, he doesn't even want to get in a fight with the people in Pittsburgh who keep trying to go after him. I, Lima and I are the two people who like, it's a yin and yang. We need, we need that, uh, somebody else to kind of pick on and, and mess with. So you're, I appreciate that. You're like siblings. You fight, you, you fight like brothers. Trying to think of something clever to say. I don't have anything clever to say. So I will just say, yeah, that's an apt thing here. I used to be, uh, I used to be his, uh, his 2020 guy on the, the Saturday show. That's where it all started. Takes me back to the dewy slopes of 2014. But uh, with a little bit of news coming along here, uh, the Raiders, uh, sorry, Adam Schefter reporting the Raiders are not going to hit a tag on Josh Jacobs. They're running back. They're expected to try and re-sign him, but they're not going to end with a franchise tag. And the Giants not expected to uh, use the franchise tag on Saquon Barkley. Listen, I think Josh Jacobs is a really nice back. And I think if somebody signs him and gets him away from the Raiders, I think you're going to have a really nice back. I, I could he have a Derrick Henry type run where he just dominates? If you really build around him, I who knows? Saquon Barkley. I know the injuries are a thing, man. I'm telling you, if I if I have that situation where I I need a young court like uh, Houston, you put Saquon on the track in Houston with C.J. Stroud, and you add one more weapon around that, that could be a lethal offense to deal with. I understand. I do understand the whole point that. You don't want to sink too much money into running backs. I have no idea how a guy, how they pay Daniel Jones four years, $160 million, yeah. and then you let Saquon Barkley hit the open market. That's just, to me, it's like McCaffrey. If if Saquon finds his San Francisco, there are going to be a lot of people looking really stupid for their, we don't pay running backs, $12 million a year takes. 
Well, Saquon's like the one guy the Giants actually promote on their team. He's like the only player <laughs> worth promoting on their team, yeah. uh, and they don't want to pay. They didn't want to pay him, and and that was I I think the because as soon as that whole thing like got resolved last year mm-hmm. to get him through this this past season, like all their stuff was Saquon Barkley on social media. And it's like, all right, so he's the only dude on that team that's worth promoting to your fans, but you don't want to lock him down and and you know take care of the guy. Like, what? I'll give you another one. You know who should sign him? Chicago. Yeah, Chicago with a rookie quarterback, DJ Moore. You're probably going to spend that ninth pick on Neighbors, a kid from LSU. You go quarterback one, wide receiver nine, and you have to one. think that whatever quarterback the Bears throw out there infinitely better than the trash the Giants put out there every week. Oh, Daniel Jones. Gosh, it just irritates me. Also, a little news. Uh, the Maction. Conference realignment is coming to the Mac. Welcome back, UMass. They had a hell of a run there for about four years. I remember them being in the college for the NCAA 2014 and being like, why is UMass in this conference? Well, now they're back, <laughs> having had so much success for a decade outside of the Mac, now they're back to 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 really lose more. And I, I appreciate that. Welcome back to the Mac. So Start, we'll, starting in 2025. So we're going to get more on this later in the show and after Zach. But uh, the Cavs actually did win last night against Washington. Golf clap for them. But it was a close that's, game. That, that's about all it deserves is a golf clap. Yeah, I mean, Washington is a team that you housed multiple times. Or sorry, you housed the first time. Then there was that close game. You still, you probably should have curb stomped them last night. Yeah, they're not good, and honestly, they're they're awful. And right now, they're <laughs> they they're, are they're 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 smack dab in the middle of. They're not tanking because they don't have enough talent to trade away to tank. Right, but they're a bad team. And last night was a was really tough to watch. And, and if they keep this up, nobody in DC is going to care where they whether they uh, you know play in DC or Northern Virginia. I think that's a very good shot that you just took at both the Wizards and, I think, uh, Northern Virginia and Washington. But uh, Darius Garland, the stats look good last night. But, you know, the the end-all, be-all here is that you kind of eked past Washington. And Donovan Mitchell, after the game, took to his turn to defend Darius Garland. I'm on social media, and I feel like people aren't giving him the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, I'd like to speak on that because I think it's you know what I mean? I think at the end of the day, he's he's a kid that's proved himself not only to this fan base, but to this league. You know what I mean? So ready to rag on a kid for, what, one half of a season? I think that's BS. So I've been waiting to say that, and I've been waiting, meaning to, so I'm, I'm glad I'm waiting tonight. Just because he's he's continuing to find his way. Like, you know, he, it's been two months, and, you know, he's figuring out slowly getting back to it. But at the end of the day, he's he's going to be there for us. You know, I understand that come playoffs, come whenever, like, we need we need him. And he knows that, and he's continuing to build, and we got all the confidence in him. But, you know, too. The way people have been talking has been ridiculous, to be honest with you. So we got his back. We know who he is, and, you know, we'll be good. So I don't know who he's specifically referring to, whether it's people on this station, whether it's Cavs fans, the the nebulous media, the NBA media, whatever it is. But I was just, you were the first person that I thought of because you've covered so many of these games. You've seen – you've I mean, been at the arena for so many of these games – what do, you, what do you think about what Donovan had to say about Darius and backing him up? I, I kind of think that Donovan has a lot that he's been waiting to say. Uh-huh. And it's like just like a slow rollout of the things that he's been waiting to say, mm-hmm. right? Um, I, I think that 
a lot of the perception that fans and even media have of uh, Darius is driven by the All-Star season that he had, right? Made the All-Star game, and so the expectation was naturally and understandably so that he's just going to be he's going to be a perennial all-star. He's going to keep, mm-hmm. you know, repeating that level of play. And let's be honest about it. Darius is a good player. I don't think he's a great player, not yet. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the trajectory for him has leveled off a little bit. Like I don't feel like the trajectory is still on the incline. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's leveled off a little bit. Um we talked about uh last week uh, after a game and I had said, "Yeah, his numbers were great. He had 18 and 10." It was his first double-double, but it was a pretty sloppy double-double. Uh, he had four turnovers in the game. Uh, I don't know that he really was uh, able to see the, the the floor as cleanly as maybe uh, he's accustomed to seeing uh, because of uh, you know some of the, the length that the Orlando Magic were throwing at them or whatever. But like, I just feel like the trajectory for him has kind of leveled off a little bit. And because of that, right, because the expectation after he made the All-Star team like got almost to a fever pitch that because he's not recaptured that level, mm-hmm. that is what's leading to some folks maybe being down on him uh, a little bit. I'm not going to speak to whether or not I think it's fair or not because we're all entitled to our opinions. I But I do feel like it's fair to say that the trajectory for him is not where it was after, you know, right during that all-star season. So I guess I would go to say, I mean, Donovan even kind of says it in what he said, having a bad half season. His numbers are down. His scoring's down. His three-point shooting is down. His number of field goals, uh, uh, field goal attempts per game is down, uh, I believe, two shots per game, which is significant. Um, I actually agree with Donovan. I think some of the discourse, listen, I think there is the – eventual conversation, which is, do you have to choose between Darius and Donovan, which I don't think is for today. And then there's the, should Darius be playing better? And I think if you put everything through the prism of the injury, I, I, I like, I'm going to give the kid a pass. Like, I don't look at, well, he's just not playing who he was last year and it's on him. I mean, I think you have to leave some grace with a guy coming off injury. Yeah. Who in the end, he's only played 32 games to date, which I believe is like, Miss, I think he missed like 20 games, something like that. So am I a little concerned that there could be a confidence element to this? Yes. But I think people have gone really hard at Darius. And I've, I have seen in the, in the way we talk about this team, two years ago when I first got back, I mentioned I would have traded Darius for Donovan two years ago. And you would have thought that I, I spat on the president or something like that. You thought you, no, you were trying to trade LeBron. Yes. And my point at the time was, well, I think Darius is going to be Donovan eventually or some caliber close to that, but I'll take the sure thing now if I had to. Two years later, I think there's a fair amount of Cavs fans who this offseason would like Donovan to commit to the team so they can trade Darius. And I think we've gotten to a point where it's no longer Darius is over here and Donovan's got to meet that level. I think Donovan, in the eyes of a lot of Cavs fans, has surpassed that. Yeah. And I don't know that it's fair. And I will say, I think, like, kudos to Donovan for sticking up for his teammate. There's a bigger conversation about Donovan constantly complaining about the media we can get to. But, like, some of this might be, I think he sees Darius struggling. And he's trying to help him out and and, and show him, hey, I got your back. You keep doing what you're doing. Yes. I got your back. I'm going to try and, you know, 
hold the dogs so off for a little bit. That's while you what get I heard was, hey, Donovan's got a lot of clout right now. Fans are really digging what Donovan's doing, and Donovan's going out and saying, that's my little brother. I can say it. You can't say it. Back off. And I, I thought that was really cool. I think that's what a leader does. Like, I think him saying that, I think that's exactly what he should be saying about Darius, knowing all the other ins and outs of that relationship that we're not exactly privy to. Well, for all the uh, talk about Donovan not committing to the Cavs, and look, that that's not a Donovan thing. That's just an NBA star thing. Not a lot of stars commit to, to their teams uh, long-term, mm-hmm. okay, because they want to keep their options open. They want to keep the pressure on the front office to – put winning pieces around them, right? Um, But here's what I'll say that I really love about Donovan off the floor. And we have had this conversation. I feel like his messaging, when he does have things to say, I love when he's like, I've been waiting a while to say that. Like, Mm -hmm. I I love when he does that. I'm not being sorry. I'm being a little sarcastic, facetious, but I, I really mean this deep down. His messaging is on point and has been on point. And it is not of a guy that's got one foot out the door or mm-hmm. that's looking for the escape hatch. So I give him a lot of credit. And I do agree with you. I think he did the right thing last night. But Darius, at some point, got the switch got to get flipped back on. Cavaliers out of the break. Not great, Bob. I mean, they won last night. They beat the Wizards, which barely is a, is a nine-point win of the Wizards. Really a win if you think about it. Still like, counts. We need to start having I, – I think against the spread needs to start becoming more in the NBA. That needs to you start think they factoring should just start, you they should start playing the spread? I, I don't know all the time. I don't want to commit to it all the way, but there needs to be like a points thing like in hockey where you if you only beat the Wizards by nine points – It doesn't count? You get like 75% of the credit. You get 75% of win. You don't get 100% of the win. So you're saying the NBA should go to a uh, – a win-loss points system. If they're not going to, I don't know, make games more competitive than the mean average of a, a game margin being 13 points, I think the least you could do is make it a little more fun. To talk about that. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. That insane idea that I just totally blurted out and didn't really think about. And so much more that I haven't really thought about. On the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline, Zach Harper, NBA writer for the Athletics, Sirius XM NBA Radio. Can I get you behind the uh, uh, against the spread win percentage conversation? I think I'm, I'm on board. I think it should only apply to opponents who are 30 games under 500 or worse. So like the Wizards, the Spurs, the Hornets, uh, the Blazers, the Pistons, all these teams, you should have to beat them by whether, whatever the spread is. All right. So now I'm going to go the opposite way. If you're 30 games above 500, should you get like a win and a quarter of a win if you beat them, if you're one of those teams or maybe a team that's like the seventh seed? No, no. If you're if you're thirty games over five hundred, 
I don't even think it should count as a win if you beat the Wizards by, <laughs> by, by whatever the spread is or more. Like, you maybe should have to double or triple it. I mean, it's the Wizards. They gave up, I don't know, decades ago. Like, this isn't a team that's exactly very serious about, about winning basketball games. We got to get one of those smart basketball people like Ken Palm on this. I bet you would have a model whipped up in like 30 minutes. Oh, easily. That would easily. make it so much fun. Um. The Cavs have uh, stumbled a little bit out of the break here. Is this significant? And to this point, is it significant and newsworthy how they've done the last five or six games? Uh, no, because I think I think the grand story of the season so far has been this team is deeper than they were last year. The moves they made were great. And then they handled the injuries to Mobley and Garland so well and went on a surge and then integrated those guys back. And, like, you're going to have pitfalls throughout the season. You're going to have little downtimes and I think the the round the all-star break is is one of those easy ones to fall into that that I don't think tells you more about the the season than than the rest of of what we've experienced so far like if it if this happens more for like another week or two then yeah you might feel like they've kind of let go of the rope a little bit but this team's been so good I think as long as they're in the mix of the two seed and they can get the two seed I, I think that's more what you focus on. Hey Zach, uh, you know Darius Garland, uh, you know thirty-two games. The the numbers look pretty good. A little over eighteen points. Uh, he's handed out over uh, six assists per game. Yet uh, there seems to be some criticism out there uh, about his game. Just where do you think he's at right now? Uh, I mean, I don't think he's nearly as good as as I expected him to be, and and I think as most people did because one, the injury, he missed a lot of time, right, and two. I do still think, like, even though they were successful last season, they've been successful this season, there's still not that comfort with him and Donovan still on the court together, you know? Like, it's not bad. It's not like, ooh, I don't know if this can work. I just don't think it's maximizing both players at all times. I think you've even seen Mobley suffer from that a little bit because there's, you know, those are two guys that need the ball in their hands to find that rhythm and to be at their best. And, And trying to spread that around, trying to get them in rhythm is tough. And Donovan's just been the better player. Right, like Donovan's been incredible this year. He's been, you know, an All Star. He's he's All NBA. Um, you know, he's in the MVP conversation for for a little bit. Like, you know, he's been so good. And I, I think that's going to be JB's biggest hurdle the rest of the season is how do we get Darius up to whatever his maximum potential can be while not having Donovan fall off, while not having Mobley fall off, or any of the the complementary players around those three. It's tough. It's a tough juggling act because you know the. The cliche is there's only one basketball to go around, but in reality, like, yeah, there's, there's only one guy to really initiate the offense consistently, and the other guys have to fall in line. Would you split Darius and Donovan's minutes? Um, yeah, I would stagger them a lot more. Like, I, I think that the that's kind of the luxury. Like, we always talk about when, you know, super teams come together or when you get, you know, two dynamic backcourt players together of, like – the the thing is like there's always one of them on the court until you you're blowing out an opponent and then and then it's and then it's over right and then you don't need either of them on the court and I think that's the luxury that you have with that um, but staggering those minutes seems to be a, a struggle for any coach not just not just JB I, I think that most coaches figure all right starter got to have starters minutes starters rotation but I would find a way to maybe balance that out the best they can Zach Harper on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline Zach. Um, this is kind of a conversation for this summer, but I think everybody's expecting Donovan to make a decision that makes the Cavaliers go one direction with this. But let's say Donovan goes to the Cavs and says, I'm in, give me the full extension, and I want to be here for that contract. We, so we're not going the Paul George, as it's known. 
Um, and and let's say the Cavs then decide, all right, let's see what we can get value-wise for Darius Garland. What would be his value if the Cavs tried to maybe turn him into a wing or or somebody that maybe fits better next to Donovan this summer? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you can go after. I mean, the problem is is finding those those one to one trades, right? I think you could you could move Darius for a couple of good role players and and some picks to help build out you know the the rest of that rotation down the road with cost effective options. Um, I think if you could find a team that is willing to give up a a wing, like I you know I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if that's um, you know, you, you could move him to Orlando. Orlando certainly needs a point guard, but they're not going to give up Franz Wagner for him, right? Like, they're not going to give up that guy. And so they, you don't really – it's not an easy fit for that. You know, maybe you would try to move him to um, to Toronto and get one of their wings outside of Scotty Barnes because he's not going anywhere. I don't know if there's that one guy, but I don't think it's a bad idea. I think the the concern with that is if, if that's what happens is – what happens then when Don, you know, Donovan's going to miss time at some point, right? What happens if Donovan misses time? Do you still have that guy? Is Craig Porter Jr. going to be a good enough backup point guard to consistently fill in and, and be that guy? It, it opens up problems, good problems to have, but I think, I think in terms of Garland's value, like you could get a lot. Like He's so good. He's so dynamic. I think a lot of teams around the league would jump at the chance to go get him. Maybe that's someone like Utah who wants to bring him into the mix, and they've got a bunch of guys that they can move. Um, but I think, I mean, I think Cleveland would have probably 20 teams calling about Darius right away. Zach, if Darius's struggles do continue down the stretch here, does that change or limit the ceiling for the Cavs in the playoffs? Yes, yes, absolutely. Because I, I think part of the the way that this team is constructed, and, and we didn't quite see it against the Knicks last year for, for whatever reason, is, I thought the team was really incredible when Darius was on the floor and he had the ball in his hand. And, they, and it, you know, the first two games, Donovan was really good. And then after that, he struggled for whatever reason. And, and I thought it was, the team was better when Darius was there. I think you kind of need that check and balance of if one guy doesn't have it going, well, at least you have this other all-star guard who's, who's in the mix. And so you need both of them to be good. You need both of them, especially with the way the East is playing out. I mean, they're, even, even the teams six through nine, six through eight, are going to be really dangerous, whether that's you're playing Orlando or you're playing Indiana or you're playing Miami or, or whomever, you know, it's not going to be an easy first round win for, for whoever Cleveland ends up facing. And even if it's Philly, right, even Philly can be dangerous. And so I think they need Darius up to, up to snuff to at least get into the second round. And then, and then who knows, then maybe they can make a, a deep playoff run beyond that. There's been an, you know, because of what happened last year uh, in the, uh, the first round there with the the Knicks really dominating the Cavaliers, uh, especially from a physical standpoint, New York really beat them up. Um, you know, JB uh, in the team has really tried to focus on answering that this year and being more physical. But we have seen at times this season, those problems still arise. So my question yeah. to you is what team set Boston aside because it feels like it's the Celtics and everyone else, but what team do the Cavaliers not want to face in the first round? You don't want to face Miami. Like I get like everyone wants to look over at Miami because it just doesn't look that impressive. I think Miami is consistently built for the playoffs and, and part of their problem is they don't take things as seriously as they need to during the regular season, but the playoffs come around and they just flip that switch. They get into that mindset and that's a dangerous game to play. If you're Miami, um, but that, that's a team that, like, I wouldn't want to deal with Jimmy Butler in a seven-game series. I wouldn't want 
as good a coach as JV is, him going against Spo, like Spo's the best coach in the league, and him going against Spo in a seven-game series could be trouble, especially if Miami's healthy. Bam is a is a really incredible counter to whatever Jared Allen or Evan Mobley want to do, and and they're just tough. Like they're a tough team. They're not a big team, but they're very physical. Like I think that would be a problem matchup for them. Um, but also, like if Donovan plays like he's played this year, it might not matter, right? If Mobley comes back and he and or comes back to the playoffs. And, and is more aggressive and, and stronger than what we saw last year, um, it might not matter. Like, the talent is certainly there. Cleveland is really deep and really talented. But that toughness, like, yeah, that toughness is going to get tested immediately by whoever their opponent is. Would you sign up for a Cavs-Knicks playoff rematch? Oh, absolutely, because I thought it was going to be the best first-round series, of, or at least of the East, last year. And I was super disappointed because I just thought, here are two teams that match up really interestingly. The Cavs were such a, you know, they were the best defense in the league last year and what they're second this year in defensive rating. Like I, I just thought that was going to be an epic battle between Donovan and Jalen Brunson. And then after the first two games, man, it just sucked. Well, unless you're a Knicks fan, then it was great, but it was just like from an entertainment standpoint, man, that was disappointing. Zach got to hit you with one of the hot button topics from this weekend. Uh, should college basketball leaders ban court storming and save college basketball for once and all? I'm so sick of this. I gotta be like, I'm. I'm just so sick of one thing happens, and all or two things happen. All of a sudden, it's like we have to have a referendum on this thing in sports that's always happened, like that. The unwritten rules. Can we just play basketball and have it be fun, and not everything has to be this grand discussion of change, like storming the court? I don't know. It might be kind of corny in certain situations. It might be awesome in certain situations. I think the maybe the the solution is don't get beat. Right, like don't get beat on the road when you're the better team. Don't let the upset happen, and I, and then I think we'll be we'll be all I'll be okay and, and manage to survive the horrendous pandemic that is court storming. I I've been accused of this, so I'm asking you. You're not okay with this just because it was Duke that got the that got stormed on, right? No, 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 no. That has nothing to do. Like <laughs> I, I think like I I'm not a I'm not a Duke hater, and I don't like Duke. I don't hate Duke. I just I like play good basketball, and that's all I care about. Like I, that's all I'm interested in. But it does. It does make it kind of funny. Like, if I can be honest, like, it makes it kind of funny that it was Duke. And, it, and it's like Filipowski's kind of like the new Grayson. It was kind of like the new JJ. Yeah. Like, yeah. they always got one a-hole, and this is the guy that caused the kerfuffle. Like, what are we doing here? It couldn't have happened to any other player, right? Like, it had to be Filipowski. <laughs> Zach, I am proud of how much we agree on this, this topic. We appreciate your time, buddy. Enjoy the second half of the season. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Zach Harper on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. This is a big to-do. If you guys missed it over the weekend, Wake Forest upset uh, Duke. They upset Duke, who is uh, a favorite team, one of the best teams in the conference. Wake Forest sneakily, by the way, the fourth best team in a pretty strong ACC. But it was a big moment. Like Steve Forbes and that program have been building to this moment uh, slowly but surely. And this moment for a lot of Wake Forest fans signified that they're truly on Duke and North Carolina's level again. And and not just Duke and North Carolina. Virginia's been atop the ACC. There are other programs. But the point is, it's a huge win for Wake Forest. And it had been building to this moment. And predictably, the the Wake fans stormed the court. And then uh, Kyle Filipowski of Duke ended up coming up with a sprained ankle. And that led the Duke head coach, John Shire, on this hell-on-earth kind of tangent about how we need to finally ban court storming and 
the sky is falling and how have we not done this? And then, you know what? I'm going to wait for that. I'm going to wait because I want you to weigh in what Zach had to say on court storming. Keith is free on this one because Keith's got some uh, so, something to say about court storming. I'm ready. I'm like that guy in Game of the Thrones. Uh, one, 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 Game of the, the Thrones? Game of the Thrones, yes. That's what we call it, those of us who haven't watched it. Game of Thrones with the the guy, the one guy pulling the uh, the sword from his sheath to face an entire army. I'm that guy today on court storming. As they do in Game of the Thrones. Game of the Thrones, yes. Game of the Thrones sounds like like some sort of competition and a bunch of guys using the bathroom. But that's neither here nor there. So your thoughts on court storming and the rabble-rousing in college basketball. I miss Mike Krzyzewski. Because I, I don't know that we get that take from Mike Krzyzewski. I guarantee we do. Um, That's my Mike Krzyzewski. Yeah, it's been he, a little rusty. Haven't done it in two years. Here's, I don't have an issue with court storming uh, on limited occasions. Like, I mm-hmm. love college football. You have an upset. Yeah. Students storm the field. They take down the goalposts. Look, So, ah, like, Wake Forest beating Duke to signify that they're one of the top dogs in the ACC. That'd be something that you could get behind, right? Yeah, I'm fine with it. Okay. I, I have so this not, was one of those wins where court storming just, actually is like right legitimate. I, I just I'm not just brow beating you I, before I, you get your point. No, out. No, I know you're you're you should I'm be ready. I know you're out of breath from taking your victory lap there after we had Zach on. I but, think I'm uh, just out of breath because I'm fat. But, but well, go ahead. <laughs> see, for once I, I wasn't gonna go with the fat joke. And, <laughs> That was Donkey Kong getting it on, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I don't. If it's a top team upset, right? Unranked team upsets a top team. Mm-hmm. I don't have an issue with it. Mm-hmm. Now, should you be storming the court after every college basketball game? No. They don't, by the way. I, by the also, too, I think that there's get the losing team off the floor quickly. Uh-huh. Like, there can be things to. Protect the player because right, this is what this is all about. The argument is, well, someone could get hurt, right? Well, you know what? Stuff happens too in life. Mm-hmm. Like uh, no one's rooting for anyone to get hurt. All right, I'm not rooting for the goalpost to fall on someone's head when they take them down. Kind of but sounds they, like you are. But that is one of the cooler scenes in in college football when the the students storm the floor, storm the field, and they take down the goalpost. And they carry the things out of the stadium. So I can't tell. Are you pro or anti-court storming? I am pro. I think you're riding the fence here. Well, no, because you said in some cases. In in some cases, yeah. It's got to be meaningful. Like Appala- well, you know, Appalachian you State what, beating Michigan. How, do we have to have uh, court storming qualifications? Yeah. Like, okay, you could be no better than a 15 Listen, seed. Listen, if you want to do a point. And they've got to be a top five right, seed. Right, if you want to do a point system in the NBA, we can have a point system for court storming well, no, in college I'm, I'm basketball. I'm trying to keep the fun. It's just funny, like. People talk all the time about college basketball. we got to save college basketball. And then this is the kind of dumb crap that they focus on. One, Kyle Filipowski is one of the dirtiest players in the ACC. And quite frankly, I wasn't just uh, – there wasn't hyperbole about him being the next Grayson Allen. He totally tripped a kid. And it's so funny because if you watch that video, there have been people storm. oh, he didn't have time – I don't know, because his leg was far out there than the previous four strides. It sure seems like he had the time to trip the Wake Forest fan. In his defense, once you cross the white lines, whatever happens, happens. It's not the Thunderdome, all right? It's not not two men enter, one men leave. No, 
These listen, and here's the thing: college uh, court storming happens in basketball more than it happens in football. So these guys should. Here's what it was: Kyle Filipowski didn't like losing to Wake, and he had been hearing it from the Wake fans the whole time. And then he tripped somebody, injuring his ankle. Good. You're an idiot. <laughs> That's called karma. Don't do that. So the point is, listen. Do I see the dangers of of court storming? Yes, hypothetically I do. But people are like, somebody could die. Somebody could get stampeded. It's literally never happened, Jack. You're creating a problem that isn't there. Literally, this this will be the first injury in court storming. And I get Caitlin And you know what's going to happen next? What's that? Lawyers are going to get involved. Oh, they've always been involved. Just how, say but, it. But by the way, how many people have actually been sued for, for storming the court or vice versa? For getting hit, I don't when, know. I I didn't. I I I failed the show I've by not researching that before well, we went no. on the well, air. Well, my point is, I've never heard of it. So nobody's suing over this, right? They might now because it's a big story. Maybe somebody views it, but it's a big story. It's a big nothing burger. Like, didn't a Laker knock out a Celtics fan at the Boston Garden back in the day? Didn't that happen in the NBA Finals? And okay. and, and the player got sued. Um. Well, okay, but I think that's a little bit different than like in college basketball. I think the expectations in a professional environment versus a college environment in the NBA, no one's going to rush the court because you have six or 30, 20,000 people. I well, get back the number in the right. day, they used to storm courts in the NBA. They, it was one time. It was one time. It was called the Malice in the Palace. It no, happens no, 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 once no, no. every I'm, 20 I, years. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm talking like in the 80s okay. and the 70s. And that didn't even happen anymore because that was the 70s and 80s. Cocaine was rampant in the streets back then. It's still in the streets now. I was going to say, I realized. (laughs) But now we got Molly. We got all these other fun things, too. However, I get back to the point. The point is, nobody's ever died from this, all right? No one's ever been seriously injured. No one's careers are over. And John Shire's private school ass is out here. Somebody's going to ban this. Somebody's going to get hurt. You mean like the fan that your best player cheaply took a shot at and tripped? Oh, yeah, yeah, fans are going to get hurt if your ass-clown team can't get off the damn court. And here's the thing. I'm not even that anti-Duke. I do favor North Carolina from my time in Charlotte. But the reality is, this is exactly what Duke does. Duke is Duke. This this pious crap about, oh, the sky's falling. Everything has to be set in line so Duke can just feel comfortable. You got to swaddle their ass so they'll feel good enough to go out there. You got beat. Just admit it. You're not pissed about the court storming. You're pissed you got beat. Well, you know what? Get over it. You know what? Hey, Duke, I know that you rig the world in favor of Duke. You're one of the 10 schools that can just rig the world. It's Harvard. It's Yale. It's Duke. I get it. You like having things your way. The whole world doesn't revolve around you. Shut up. Quit complaining. And court storming isn't the big ugly in basketball. Feel better? Keith, come on. I would just ask you, you don't think those fans that... Listen, I have no problem with like the court storming in general, but when you do, and I, this instance is different because, like you said, maybe he's the one that initiated it. Mm-hmm. But the Caitlin Clark thing, uh-huh. like, I'm not saying this happens every day, but if something like that happens and it's a serious injury, but it was like there, I know that, but you're you're I'm playing hypotheticals. I can do uh-huh. my hypothetical. You can do yours. So I'm saying there's a rule in place that you can't storm the court during the game, right? If, if somebody comes out of the crowd and runs onto the field during a football game or runs onto the court during the basketball game, what happens? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, yeah we're not talking, but we're not talking about storming the court in the middle of I'm, the game. I'm just asking a question. I'm just what asking happens? the question. They get arrested. Okay. So that is to protect the players, right? Uh, so if somebody comes out of the, the crowd and does this post game, 
I say if they if they initiate and make contact with an opposing player like that, they should be open susceptible to being arrested or something. Okay, like if, now, now we're different. That's what I'm saying. Like, like Jay Billis today said they should arrest anybody. I don't think that storms you should just be arrested for storming yeah, the court. I think that's, that's the dumbest. That's thing going to be a very crowded jail. But I, also, by the way, there is such something as an accident. Like if you look back to the Caitlin Clark thing. Caitlin was didn't have her head up. She was looking off to the side. The girl was running and not paying attention. It's okay that accidents happen in the world. Like sometimes two people don't pay attention and a bad thing happens. That doesn't mean somebody should get arrested. Now, if the if the Wake Forest person had gone out of their way to initiate the contact with Filipowski, I'm cool with it. As long as we're cool with Filipowski getting um, some sort of charge against him for that Bush League tripping the kid. That's, yeah, that, I, I don't I don't know that it goes both ways in this. You're you're uh, entering their playing floor. Uh, no, it stops being your playing floor the second your ass got beat. You're trying to get back. to the locker room? Um, in this instance, it's different with what he did, but I'm saying, like, I don't know. Like, he, maybe he's just trying to get to the locker so room then, in another instance. So then he could just start trucking people in the face, and it'd well, be okay. Well, how else are you going to get there? Um, well, you could just be patient, keep your head be on a patient. swivel. Yeah, because it's going to calm down in a couple minutes. Well, no, I mean, I don't think it's that hard. I've walked through crowds surging one way before. You've, you've parted patient. the Red Sea. I've, I've seen it. I've parted the Red Sea. Um, How'd you do that? I, I usually Have just fall into Nick? the water. <laughs> no. Um, I'm very I'm very intimidating if you don't let me talk to you. If I just, if you don't, if you can't tell, if I'm not talking, I might look intimidating to some people who don't know me. Um, and those are crowds. However, I think the whole thing is, one, you're trying to have the same rules for and not you, but there are people trying to make the the case of there's no court storming in the NBA, there's no court storming, uh, field storming the NFL. Guys, this is the difference. You have 20 liquored up college students out there having fun. The environment's totally different. And it is an important part of the game. Like, court storming does have value. What was the Kansas? The Kansas win last year where they stormed the field. That was a really cool moment. And what I, what I get frustrated is these – these incidences are so few and far between. Like, you gave the hypothetical about it. Well, what happens if a serious injury? They haven't. They haven't. So, like, to to go ahead and do it out of a hypothetical, I'm not saying you are, but for them, like Jay Bill is saying, arrest these kids if they're on the court. Why? Because the Duke player got out and tripped a dude? Because Caitlin Clark didn't have her head up? And honestly, in that environment, yes, players players are smart enough to know when you just lost on somebody else's court, there's a chance they're going to storm the court. So I'm not saying Caitlin was responsible, but she could have avoided it by having her head up, knowing that people were storming the court. Kyle Filipowski yesterday could have had his head up, and he did. That's why he tripped the dude. That's why he trucked the dude. So, like, I just think it's really insincere. And I think I, I think it's one of those rare cases where nothing really bad ever comes of this. This is the worst it'll get. And in this one case, the one most significant injury I've ever seen in court storming has been a guy who was using his foot to trip somebody who was running as fast as they could. Congrats. You're a moron. Yeah, I don't know if you guys remember this as a kid. When somebody's running f- full bore, you don't stick your foot out and go, oh, no, you don't do that. You know why? Because that's how you get your foot broke. So maybe next time, don't be an idiot. You went to Duke. You're supposed to have all the common sense in the world. You're supposed to be the smart well, guy. The, 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 it's a very prestigious university. I can say that I, while still crapping on Kyle Filipowski. But the point is, like, do better. Keith, in the entire break, Keith, what is the latest total just because you continue to throw this at me? I mean, as the votes go up, the percentage goes up. I mean, it's like at 80, it's still at 87%. Uh, 
Over 200 votes right now. For the poll that was. For the poll that was. Is it time to do away with daylight savings? Okay. Now, I threw something out there because I think I have the heart of the issue about daylight savings time, which is I feel like I'm in the majority of people who just are not that invested in it. I get a little irritated going into this weekend. I get a lot happy going into that weekend in November, but in between the 40... Yeah, the 50 weeks that I don't really have to actively think about daylight savings time, my life is not impacted either way. And I think, Keith, you guys should have seen. You want to talk about uh, Ken and Anthony's bit coming in hot? This man was on fire today wanting to talk about daylight savings time. And I, I couldn't – like, I think he thinks I'm in opposition of him. I don't really care. I will care Sunday when I'm in Chicago waking up just a little hungover – and having to come back from Chicago on an on an hour less of sleep. We're the show of polls today. Also, I put a poll out from the show account. You have to do a poll. Now, Daryl, as you're yes. talking, puts out a different poll. Yes. Like, how many polls do we need on daylight savings well, time? Here's why. Well, because there's four since, of us. Since one, two, three. All right, you're up, Mac. Since you had a, a failure to understand what I was trying to get at, my poll <laughs> is very simple. And that is I want to spring ahead, Daryl. If daylight savings time is eliminated, which winter daylight schedule would you prefer to stick with going forward? Spring ahead, which gives you 9 a.m. sunrise, 6 p.m. sunset. Do we have to bring or back the careless the fall back, 8 a.m. sunrise to 5 p.m. sunset. So which pick one? And oh, by the I'm way, I'm picking spring ahead. That's I, my final answer. Okay. Well, 70% of the vote right now that is in and the early uh, returns uh, say spring ahead. They'd like the 9 a.m sunrise to 6 p.m. sunset in the winter. Okay, but what is my sunset? Because you also have to then do the winter sunset. No, you mean the summer sunset. The summer sunset, yes, good God. So the uh, summer sunset would stay the same. It would would be 6 a.m. to That's what we're about to do in uh, about a week and a half. Yeah, okay. I like that. Uh, Whatever doesn't mess with my summer thing. Okay, so you want to spring ahead and we don't change it going forward. Yes, because I don't want – I love when when it's still light outside when I get home. So do I. And we shoot hoops until like 9 o'clock at night. And then Vanessa makes me and my three daughters come inside because we're toddlers who cannot control them. We would would shoot hoops till 10 o'clock at night if we could. So that's what I like. I'll take – what was it, 9 a.m.? Oh, man. 9 a.m. to 6 p.m., your daylight hours in so, the winter time. So my kids are getting on the bus. It's going to be pitch black. Pitch black. Ooh, that is a tough one in November. That is a tough sell in Forget- December. <laughs> I'm still going to take, take the summer gains. Okay. But, but ooh, I, that I'm, is. This, this is, now you're starting to understand why we change the clocks twice a year. I mean, again, I'm not that invested. I'm only I'm invested either. in what I would choose if I had to. I think people complaining about daylight savings time when there are still kids eating are still kids that can't eat three square a day. Little silly. I think. Well, we have, I mean, somebody went on a rant about the solar eclipse a we couple have, weeks ago too. So I don't know. Yes, because you need to put all your emphasis on the hungry children. By, by the way, get your uh, eclipse glasses now before they uh, run out. Not gonna do that. No, I'm not gonna buy that. You're just gonna that, stare into the sun and damn, watch it. That damn book. About the eclipse. You want to talk about stealing money from people? I walk into the bookstore with my kids. And you didn't and get it for me. No, I didn't. You know why? Google it. Everything you can find in that book, you can find in a five-second Google search. All right? Kudos to the authors. You're stealing money from people. But no. No. My point was, we're talking about, we've got we've got congressional hearings over daylight savings time. And it's like, 
you have people actively fighting each other at Walmart. All right, we've got, there's gun <laughs> violence, there's childhood hunger, there's mental health crisis. We've got apparently the North Atlantic currents are about to switch poles or something like that, like, just like in the day after tomorrow. And guys, there was a mesocyclone that really screwed things up in that movie. And I got to worry about what time the sun's going to come out as the world freezes around me. These are real world problems. Am I wrong? Am I wrong? No. Um, how much do you care about daylight savings time? My poll, Adnick Wilson says, the only true poll on this show. Excuse you? A lot. 31% with Keith. They care a lot about it. 16% some. 17% a little. 35% not at all. How many votes? 69. I have a hundred. I did not plan that. I'm not. I'm not. That's not a bit. I swear to you. I have 103 votes on my poll, and 71% say they want to stay with the spring ahead and the 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. winter daylight. All right. Now, does that mean Keith? Okay. How many, think- how many, so okay, how many have responded wait, to Keith's poll wait, now? Real quick, real quick. 250, and it's uh, 84% say do away with it. I think I'm winning my poll. I think Keith is winning his poll. I'm winning my poll. And you're winning your poll. We're all winners. Which means even though we're losing other people's polls, we're winning in our polls, which means... We're basically Back politicians we <laughs> in America in 2024. Um, 216-474-0092. You want to do away with daylight savings time? Also, what do you think about those starving children? I'm just going to high-road the hell out of Keith on this one. Mostly because, again, I cannot express how much I don't care about daylight savings time. I just love the fact that Keith struggled with my explanation of the concept of what's going to happen. No, I mean, I, I heard it, but the music really got me. I, wow. he, fought, he locked in with the music. I think he just wasn't going to listen to your your take. I think that's all it was. I think he's so pissed about daylight savings time that he's just, I'm not going to. just tuned me out. Yeah. All right, now explain it again, but slower to Keith. Okay, so if you were to eliminate daylight savings time, you have to pick which trajectory of time you stick with. You either spring ahead and stay there, which, by the way, we'll be doing next weekend, which means in the wintertime, your daylight hours, sunrise, 9 a.m., sunset, 6 p.m. Mansplaining just got real sexy up in here. But let's go with that option. If you fall back, so we wait till the fall, and then we fall back, and then we stick with that going forward for eternity, your winter sunrise would be 8 a.m. and sunset at 5 p.m. So I think the only one of our polls that would change uh, in November is his. Yes. And 100%. I think that's the thing. I think you say you hate daylight savings time when it's spring and we got to spring forward. I don't hear a damn person talking about falling back as a bad thing. And by I've the way, I've never heard one person complain about the extra hour you pick up. And and that will be something you'll lose. You're going to lose that extra hour you get in the fall. You're just such you're such a stickler on the details that and you just <laughs> you're trying to bring reason to an argument that I don't find reasonable. It's been this way for a long time. There's by, no real reason to change it. By the way, uh, 165 votes in, we're up to 72.7% that say spring ahead and stay. Nelson, daylight savings time is played out. Nick, Not even farmers. Uh, had a caller want to correct you? Get the S out. It's saving time. Daylight saving time. How many people say that, daylight saving time? That's why I did actually time. phrase it that way on the poll. How, how many people actually say I daylight know, saving time? 
But I just had a guy call up and he wants you to say it right. You know, so. Keith's a stickler for the details. This is... I don't want to be in this Mexican standoff. I've never wanted a part of your fights. You guys fight on this. I'm so nonplussed about the whole thing. I'm so confused. I'm so, I'm like. Well, that's not hard. Well, no, because in the break, in the break, Keith was like arguing with me like, ah, my poll keeps going up. And I'm like, I'm, I'm not against you. I'm not against He's you. He's got 35 people voting on his poll, but it keeps going up. Two and six, four, seven, four. Down below 9-2. If there was a camera in Keith's room right now. Should we abolish <laughs> daylight savings time? His face looks like a sunset right now. <laughs> at 6 a.m. Day- daylight saving. No, no, no. The sun rises at 6 a.m. It sets at 6 p.m. Can I go to another show right now? Can I? Is there an opening on Baskin and Phelps? Can I fall asleep They'll gladly them? have you in for a segment, Nick. You want to host one? Can I? <laughs> I'd get a whole hour. Um, whole hour? They might ask you to do this. all four. Have Ken and uh, Anthony forced Mitch off their show yet? Can I? Is that going to be an opening I can go after? Jonathan's been on mornings forever. Do they need somebody to fill in at nights? Well, you'll have darkness till 9 a.m. I don't want this. I want off this ride. I want back. You know what? Are you For past? The, nope. You got more than 69 voters on your poll yet? For the first time. In my natural-born adult life, talk sports. All right, we've officially we found we found, found the line of the sand. I'm ready to talk sports now. You know what? How will how will the elimination of daylight savings time affect baseball season? Matt Howard saying, "I care a lot that we have to change our time. It's asinine." So Matt should be voting on Keith's poll. Afternoon nine two three fan. Here's another element. The Guardians are playing more 6-10 first pitch games this year. So would that now be 5-10? Well, no. Hang on. Or or 8-10. Here's the issue now. With the pitch clocks being instituted. We have to set them back. Well, in the summertime, sun might not be down in time for them to shoot off the fireworks. Mm. That's another consideration. Yeah. Have you thought about that? That's, That's tough. Yeah. What are we gonna? Do? We'll think about that in the break. <laughs> I think this is just the. I think we just go to that if we're if we're really just don't have anything. Okay, two one six four seven four double oh nine two. Take any one of the three of our polls at Nick Wilson says at right or wrong F A N at afternoon nine two three fan. Thoughts? <laughs> Football. I guess Spr- we'll spring now, ahead I'm going to, to break. the next I'm going segment. To break. This we need a palate cleanser. Let's just go to break. This morning, Anthony Lima was back, and I'm actually I I directly answered this at two o'clock, and realizing now I probably went pretty hard at Lima at two o'clock about uh, his shot that he took at me today. Don't back down. Just the convert. I won't. But I I was it's his first day back, and I went heavy gloves earlier. So I want to play it again because. I do think there's a conversation nestled in here about how we feel about the Browns and about how we feel about the Steelers. When did we become a Pittsburgh Steelers station? Because it had never been what I had heard over the last three weeks. It had never been that in the history of our station, that we had just focused on 
the Pittsburgh Steelers. Every day, every show, call in, making fun of the Steelers. And I'm like, why is it the Steelers? If anything, I'm not making fun of the Steelers. That's not me. So if you want to go after one of the other ones, fine. I didn't make fun of the Steelers. Oh, it's a lot of Nick. I, I'll, I'll admit all right, it. I'm, Nick. Not, I'm not sitting I know over here. I'm telling them. This is what I've seen. And I've seen our Facebook posts. I've seen our videos. I've seen, you know, Nick even, I had just seen, screenshotted his topics for CBS Sports Radio. And it was, you know, going deep in on the Steelers. And I'm like, this is the low point of the Steelers in the last 20 years this is the low point this is our high point they're kind of the same yes. place they're kind of the same spot which well, they is both made the playoff which is like does that put it in perspective like their lowest equals our highest over the last 20 years well it depends on what you so think should of. we be making fun of them if that's the case I'm not and I'm not, why are we not focused on the Ravens the team that won the division or the Bengals that when they have a healthy Joe Burrow they're competing for Super Bowls I, that's different well, when it becomes to the Bengals or Ravens, that's a year-by-year thing. And coming into this year, we did make fun of the Bengals quite a bit. But getting back to what Lima said, I did want to make sure I said this on air. He is right. We have talked, and I'm not we, but the royal we have talked a lot about the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I think the reason being is, if you look at all the teams in the AFC North, they're the team that I think has the best chance to take a step back because they're not seriously addressing their quarterback situation and haven't since the moment they took Kenny Pickett. And a lot of the reports out of Pittsburgh are laughable. You know, some of the suggestions and how to fix the situation in Pittsburgh. But one thing we didn't clip in there that I thought was an interesting point that Lima made. Lima said one of his working theories on why we're talking about the Steelers more is secretly we're um, we're insecure or questioning whether the Browns are pointed in the right direction, and honestly, that's it's actually the opposite for me. I'm I'm I am a little bit in between whether the Browns are going to take a step forward, take a step back, or sidestep next year. Whether they'll just you know win eleven games and go to the playoffs and and lose again next year, because I don't. There's a fair part of me that doesn't know. But, like, for me, it's more that I think what Pittsburgh's doing is comical. And so it's funny, like, I I don't know that I speak for everybody in that regard. Like, when I make fun of Pittsburgh, it's because I think their arrow is trending down. I am somewhat confident the Browns are, are – that their arrow is pointing up. And that's not just about wins and losses next year. I think they're going to be able to, to compete again. So some of it is I'm – somewhat confident in the Browns, but mostly I just think the Brown I, I think the Steelers are finally acting like the dumbest team in the division with some of the reports we've had, whether it's chasing any of these quarterbacks who are either going to be short term band aids at best if they work out, and if not, you're going to be in an even worse situation next year. So like a lot of this is I do think Pittsburgh is trending down. Whether that automatically leads to a losing season next year, you cannot it is just a fact. You cannot year after year after year after year continue to to piecemeal the quarterback position or half-ass it. Not in the AFC. You can do that in the NFC. You can take a flyer on Baker in the NFC and see if it works out. You can't do that in the AFC because you're more likely than not just continuing to fall down the rung of quarterbacks. So my taking shots at the Steelers is 100% because I don't think they're in a good spot. In the it's NFC, a bit. in the NFC, Brock Purdy can get you to the Super Bowl. In the AFC, Brock Purdy probably can't get you to the Super Bowl. Okay, yeah, is I that think, fair? I think that's one hundred percent fair. 
Yeah, when Brock Purdy only has to beat Jared Goff. Okay. That's that or uh, uh, Jared Goff and and Jordan Love. Okay, that's when you go ahead and piecemeal the quarterback position. But if I, the 49ers move on from him and he goes to the next te- his next team to be the starter, yeah. you know that's exactly what that team's going to be selling. Well, he took the 49ers to Super Bowl. Well, no, I, but I but again, that's that's the perceptional wheel right. of quarterbacks, how teams always have to be selling. And in a way, I actually think that is interesting that the Steelers don't feel the need to to sell anything to their fans because they're like, well, hey, don't worry. Whatever we do at quarterback, we're going to be 10 wins again. I wonder how many times, how many oopsies, though, they get. Steelers fans are frothing at the mouth because they don't have a good enough quarterback. Steelers fans are frothing at the mouth because they win 10 games and don't do diddly squat in the playoffs. So the first time you go 7-10 and 10 and your quarterback plan completely falls apart and George Pickens all of a sudden is becoming more of a distraction, because that's the other part about this, the farther they go without addressing their quarterback position – the longer that all these little miscreants that are on their team, winning is the miracle salve. If you don't win, those things are going to spiral out of control, as we saw in Cleveland. So I don't think they've replaced Cleveland. But like, is some of this is I'm feeling my oats. They're, they're, they're going they're going down the path they're that the doing, Browns you know, took for 20 years. They're doing Cleveland things, Cleveland Browns things from 2001 to uh, I almost said 1999. That was not the time doesn't work that way. 2001 to um, 2019, they are doing things like that, and we've just seen it. But but and here's the thing: some of this is I am feeling my oats as a Browns fan because for so long I they have not engaged in the rivalry. If, if well, they if, haven't had to. Well, but five, they have been the right like they have owned. It hasn't been a rivalry. If five years ago I talked about talked mess about the Steelers on air, it would have looked like sour apples or sour sour grapes. That's sour what grapes. I was going for. You're looking for or, sour grapes on or that sour one. apples too. It would have looked like any kind of sour fruit that makes your face scrunch up. But the point is, I would have been insincere to try and punch up at the Steelers five years ago. What's happened in the last four years? The Browns have as many wins in the AL uh, the the AFC North. It's a banner segment for me. The AFC North. As anybody in the division, they're tied with Pittsburgh for AFC North wins. They've beaten Pittsburgh when it matters in the playoffs, and they beat them. They split the series with them this year. They have more stability at the quarterback position. I, I can't remember who's won more games in the last four years. I think it's Pittsburgh, but it's Pittsburgh by a win or two. So, by all accounts, the rivalry is even. And, like, yeah, Cincinnati's going to have a year here. They're going to be good. Right or, or really good or, or maybe the best team. I it's to me it's not about being the best team in the AFC North because that takes more than one year, two years, three years, four years. Would you like to know the AFC North tally real quick? For me, I absolutely have used Pittsburgh as a measuring stick, and right now it appears you're either your arrows either pointing at at worst neutral or at best up. Theirs is at best neutral. And at worst, pointing down. I Yeah. If we've used them for 20 years as the measuring stick, and all of a sudden, the measuring sticks are even, you're even with that? Like, why would we not look at that and point that out and celebrate that? It does Because the rebuttal will be, well, tell me when you win Super Bowls. Yeah, guys, that's how you get there. You, you, you catch your division rival, the team that you hated that hasn't thought about you for 20 years. 
And just because you haven't surpassed them yet doesn't mean it's not an accomplishment. And and the, the point is, if you continue on this trajectory in four years and you continue another 50% going to the playoffs and you're above 500, guys, you're no longer the laughing stock of the NFL. So, yes, it does matter. And this idea that you can't celebrate the success because I'm not entirely sure the Browns are going to be better next year is crap. It's, it's constantly diminishing what the Browns do. And it is any success they've had is, well, but they haven't done this. Oh, you mean you mean they're not, oh, well, what a low bar. You mean they're not looking for a new quarterback every year. Yeah, guys, that's something to be celebrated. That is a point to be noted out here that even though I'm not sure about Deshaun Watson. For the first time in 25 years, they're not looking yes, for the next. But not oh. just that. They're, they're, they've cleared the bar of their disappointing year now is seven or eight uh, wins, which a decade ago, that was your high mark, your high water mark. So, like, you're even with the Steelers. I'm not saying th- you're better than them, but you're at least even. The rivalry is real again. And I think the idea that we wouldn't focus on them is ridiculous. Uh, have we forgotten what this rivalry used to mean? They have. Actually, yeah, because it's been 30-some years since it really was a rivalry. Well, but that's but the the interesting thing is, do you know? I mean, how the, I know? the high water mark for the Browns, and that nothing to discredit it, but the high water mark for the Browns against the Steelers was that playoff win during COVID when nobody was in the stadium. But see, that's the that's the point that pisses me off. And that not you, but the point is, okay, what have the Browns accomplished? You got the playoff win. I don't really count that because it was in the bubble, or it was in the it was right. there was nobody in the stands. Uh, it happened. Yeah. It, it, it sure as hell chapped the ass of Pittsburgh fans. Well, Miles, Ben, ben Miles, Roethlisberger was crying on the bench. Yes. Which, nope, not going to do it. Not, oh. not, not going to do the low-hanging fruit. Miles Garrett wins the Defensive Player of the Year. Well, it was more of like a career award. Cool, so I can't enjoy that either? Like, tell me what I'm allowed to enjoy as a Browns fan. And I, I'm not just speaking to to Lima on this because I don't think Lima is is talking to a, a a group of fans who agree. It's a bunch of people who don't want to celebrate what the Browns have done, and some of that's Deshaun. Some of that is what Deshaun was accused of doing and sued for. Some of that is we're stuck in this negative cycle where we never believe what anybody in this town does is real. And yes, there is historical evidence to suggest that 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 it falls on its face. You can also break historical trends. And there's just such a cynicism. It's just so self-loathing. And it just drives me crazy. No, guys, they beat Pittsburgh in a playoff game. That happened. Damn the circumstances, because you didn't have your head coach. If you had lost that game and Browns fans had said, well, COVID, you didn't have your head coach, you didn't have all these guys. Would that would that sound like uh, sour grapes? Yes, it would. It would have been an excuse. Because I, I, damn, I damn sure guarantee that if they had lost that game, they would have held it against this organization. Listen, I'll hammer the organization when need be. I'll disagree with different narratives. I think the team tries way too hard to control narratives. I have things to say about the organization. But this idea of like, oh, you're talking about Pittsburgh. It must be because you don't believe the Browns are back or you don't believe the Browns are real. What kind of mental gymnastics is that? And it's not, I want to make it clear. I don't think that's just Anthony saying that. I think there's, I think the Cleveland media in general thinks that way, which, and this is by, by the way, guys, it's not just a Cleveland media. We have held Mike Tomlin as the standard in this division for a decade or more. Do you know who wants to fire Mike Tomlin? The Pittsburgh media. 
And so Steeler fan. there is a paralysis by over-analysis thing here. You don't have to be outwardly positive about everything. We don't have to knock everything Pittsburgh does. But if we talked about an organization that's thrown around a lot of dumb ideas at quarterback, yes, we should. Because if they fall, that is a huge opportunity for the Browns. If they start their cycle of incompetence at quarterback and that starts to lead to real losing, guys, one, you're going to be a whoop that ass for a five-year period or more. Two, it makes it easier for you to win a loaded and complicated division. So I do think it's a talking point. I, I think everybody should be talking about Pittsburgh, and that doesn't mean you're Cleveland radio. And again, I'm, it sounds like I keep referring back to that. I'm just trying to like set the scene and, and kind of engage on what Lima said. Cleveland is in a in a better situation moving forward than Pittsburgh. They might have T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith. You actually have stability at quarterback. And if you said right now who has a better chance of being a, a franchise quarterback next year, the guy who's actually been one but was hurt last year and the year before was suspended for most of the season, or a guy with tiny baby hands who, guys, watch him play. He's not a good quarterback. Kenny Pickett is bad at quarterbacking. If you ask me who's going to, I would say Deshaun Watson 10 out of 10 times. And just because the recent cynicism and panic and, oh, are we going to waste $230 million? Just because that's the the resounding opinion doesn't make it true. It could easily be prison of the moment. And by this time next year, we could be talking about how Deshaun Watson led you to a playoff win. And all of a sudden, our concern, well, now it is, now do you have to get him another number one wide receiver? I blacked out. Anthony, welcome to the show. What you got for us? Hey, guys. Um, so I think maybe just a different perspective uh, on Lima's point is, and I, and I kind of agree with you, um, but I've been a fan for over 40 years. I'm tired of watching Super Bowls with the Browns not being in it. I'm tired of anything else that doesn't have anything to do with the Browns making it to a Super Bowl or winning it. And that's just where I'm at. I, I don't – so all that other stuff is cool. Like all those accolades you were saying, you know, why can't we celebrate this and that about the Browns? That's fine. But it, at the end, I'm just – I'm over that. I just want them to win. Wait, wait. I'm, I'm I'm, real quick, because I'm just curious. Go ahead. They, they've, they've been a competitive team for four years. How mm -hmm. can we be over that? Like, they've been to the playoffs two of the, the last four years. How can we have moved past enjoying that well, and embracing I'm, that? I'm, I'm going to tell you how I can. It's, it's because I've been a fan for over 40 years, and I've been to the good and the and the terribly bad, and I'm just tired of it, man. I'm, I've been loyal for, for all these years, and I, I can't stomach watching another team play in the Super Bowl. I almost didn't watch the Super Bowl if I wasn't betting on it. And uh, I almost didn't watch it this year. I it, just can't take watching another team anymore. It, it's maddening and frustrating to me. Anthony, I appreciate your thoughts. I disagree with you a little bit, buddy, but I appreciate you calling in and giving us your perspective. I, I don't get it, man. What was that? What was it? What, it I don't understand fans, and I'm not saying Anthony's doing this or Lime is doing this. I don't understand fans. I, I fundamentally do not get Hey, I rode or or died with you, ride or die with you through one and thirty-one, and now you've got a problem. I, well, you're not winning enough, guys. It was eleven wins. Yeah, the playoffs sucked. That was one game. That doesn't outdo the eleven wins. And just enjoying that, like honestly, I think there were people who didn't enjoy the eleven wins. Oh, because you know they're they're like Randy Quaid in friggin' Major League Two. You know they're gonna blow it. What's the point of being a damn fan? 
Like you live, guys. We live in Cleveland. We're not gonna. Ha- we're not going to have teams that every single year are gonna win the championship. That's just the reality of living in Cleveland and living in Detroit and living in Pittsburgh and living in. Well, okay, Kansas City is a bad example, but living in Portland, like you're not going to win the championship every year. If you can't enjoy eleven wins and a trip to the playoffs after four years of I don't know having a legitimate chance to go to the playoffs, what are we doing? What's the point of being a fan? If every time they have success, we go, yeah, but it's not, you didn't win a playoff game. I, I just cannot wrap my head around that. It got me to a point where I wanted to ask this question. You guys can vote on it at Nick Wilson Says. and I Vote want, on all of Nick's polls I'll at take, Nick Wilson Says. all my polls at Nick Wilson Says. Um, what are you more confident about at the moment? The Browns arrow is pointing up or the Steelers arrow is pointing down? And... We, we don't have the kind of the original votes on this, but I'm just curious in kind of that exercise, if you had to guess uh, the Browns are in the playoffs next year or the Steelers are out, where do you sit on that? Browns in playoffs, Steelers are home. I've I, been uh, I've been waiting for that scenario forever, mm-hmm. and it hasn't played that out that way at least twice in the last four years mm-hmm. where both the Browns and the Steelers in the playoffs uh, at the same time. But, yeah, I mean, if, if that, those are my options – then yeah, my uh, my thoughts are the arrow for the Steelers is pointing down, and the m- most important reason why is the quarterback situation. Mm-hmm. Um, because again, I-, I feel like they are the 2001 Cleveland Browns right now, where they're trying to talk them. They're they're beginning the cycle of trying to talk themselves into we don't have a problem at yeah. the position. Okay, and um, I don't know necessarily that that's the approach they should take, but that's okay. You do you, Pittsburgh. That's fine. Well, and, um, and can I tell you, because I, I think fans, you know, I, I think it was uh, Ryan on Twitter in the break uh, that said, just because the Browns have a more stable quarterback situation than Pittsburgh does not mean we have a, a, a stable quarterback situation. Uh, we both know Watson is a major question mark, and we're uh, very close to being the same boat as Pittsburgh. Um, well, not really, because you can't replace Deshaun Watson and can't cut him for another three years. So you're going to keep going at this with Deshaun. So you might as well back. You might as well give yourself a good backup quarterback as protection. Well, I'll say this: the Browns did a hell of a lot better job patching their quarterback problem last season than Pittsburgh did. I well, yeah, a guy I, off the street did better than either one of their quarterbacks and, did last and, year, and also the guy off the street. And I realize this is really a reflection of just how bad quarterback play in Cleveland has been for the last half century. But the guy off the street was setting franchise records. Well, but I, <laughs> and, and like, I mean, but I, I think, listen, it, if there if there are Yinzer fans out there saying I'm confident because we've won in spite of the quarterback, right? I can say the same thing. So I, I and by the way, you were pretty competitive with Jacoby Brissett. Yeah. who couldn't beat out Sam Howell in Washington this year. And a guy who had previously been replaced as Indy's quarterback. You won seven games there. The year before, with a one-armed Baker Mayfield, and I think it was one game of Nick Mullins. I can't remember. I can't get my quarterback straight. But the point is, you won eight games there. Like, I, I think this idea of... I, I think you can say Deshaun is a question mark because of the health. And, and if you... Listen, I'll even give it to you. You want to say he's a question mark because... Uh, you don't think he's going to be good again. Fine. That's fine. That's a fair thing to say. I disagree with you. Uh, right now, my my preoccupation after as well as I thought he played this year, my preoccupation is let's let's boost the scheme, boost the town around him, and 
let's go ahead and make sure we can keep this guy healthy. Health scares me a lot more than just he's lost his fastball or something like that. Although in case with a shoulder injury, he could have lost his fastball. That being said, um, the Browns prove to you that they can rally around a good backup. And I think culturally, you're where you need to be going forward. So Deshaun's health might stop you from winning a Super Bowl next year, but there's no reason to think, hey, if we get into a spot where he has to miss half the season, we can't bring in the right backup, and all of a sudden that backup at least keeps us competitive. Because good organizations do that. Guys, Chad Henney took over for Pat Mahomes for a small stretch. Kansas City was able to win. While we've mentioned the Nick Foles for Carson Wentz thing, ad nauseum. Every year there are backup quarterbacks in good situations. Brock Purdy took over for Jimmy Garoppolo. Different scenario because Brock became the starting quarterback there. But you can win with your backup quarterback. And so the idea that Deshaun is the end-all, be-all. No, like guys, they're not going to win a Super Bowl unless Deshaun is healthy. And Deshaun plays at that level. And that is a bigger question that continues to evade a, a specific answer. I understand the, the, the anxiety there. But if you told me next year, hey, I'm not sure how many games uh, Deshaun is going to play. You're going to win at least 11 games. You're going to be back in the playoffs next year. That's a success. Even though you don't have the ultimate, this, this moving, that's what it is. It's a moving goalpost on defining success. Well, now it is you got to win and you got to win with Deshaun and you got to win a playoff game. I'm all for let's move the bar forward here, but we, we did that about two seconds after you lost the Texans game. It feels like that's more out of spite and, and, and fury out of what the, the Browns didn't do this year than what is realistic for next year. Uh, Doc in Alaska saying, sadly, I'm not confident about the Browns at all. Uh, in, in two seasons, Deshaun has uh, shown, uh, shown to be nothing more than a bottom three starting quarterback in the NFL. I disagree with your assessment. I, I don't think he has been a top three quarterback or a top five quarterback. I think people are conflating the last two years. Yeah. I thought he was a much better quarterback this year. And, he, and that's where I can't get into the doomsday prophecy crap. The Tennessee game, he was brilliant. Uh, the second half in Baltimore, leading that comeback, he was brilliant despite being injured. Yeah. We have the seen... The Arizona game, let's give him credit. Arizona sucked. He right. was great against Arizona. We have seen flashes of brilliance from him. It just hasn't been consistent. So yeah. to, act, to act like that it's just been a complete train wreck and disaster is not fair nor and, accurate. And that's where I think our cynicism gets the best of us. Like, And again, I don't want to make it all about my guy, Doc. Doc is my ride or die. I want to make sure that's clear. But like the, the whole cynicism, it, and it really comes down to every question about Deshaun, every conversation is, has he lived up to the contract or the trade yet? Well, guys, that is that is one of one. That is one way. If the only way to determine the success of the Browns or the success of that of of your season is did Deshaun validate that trade? After two years, I'm just not playing that game because they they this season was success. The eleven wins, and 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 I know it wasn't the way you wanted it to, guys. If if the NFL playoff seeding wasn't stupid, you probably would have a playoff win because. The Browns just didn't show up on the road. I don't know what that was about. Starts with a defense. Big problem. That's a bigger problem to me than uh, let's doomsday the hell out of this this quarterback situation. 216-474-0092. When we talk about the, the Browns and Steelers, are you more confident that the Browns arrow is pointing up or that the Steelers arrow 
is pointing down about 60 votes in right now, 66% of people saying that the uh, the Browns arrow is uh, pointing up. And I'm going to to go back on this. I'm so glad I don't need to look at any of these quarterbacks this year. You have a general take on this. I was going to tell you right now, guys, I, I uh, none of these veterans make me feel great. Like if this was the old Browns and we ha- we were going through our quarterback rummy on any given year, and we're picking up one from the disposal pile. I I I think Justin Fields can like be a really good quarterback. I think if you build an offense like you had with uh, uh, Lamar in Baltimore and then build it up over a couple of years, I think he can be really good. That's You're- an it's an I think. It's an I don't know. You'd be doing what you did with Charlie Fry. Jake DeLome, Colt McCoy, where you're just talking yourself into one of these guys can be a solution. See, the Fields thing I don't think is – okay, it is, but I think it has the best chance of working out. I understand, but I'm, but you'd still have to talk yourself into Justin Fields being your solution. But, like, well, okay, I do think teams do this all the time. This is where you and I agree. But, like, I'm I'm even more concerned about the draft. Like, I think people are looking like Chicago's in the best situation. You either choose a guy who hasn't helped you win enough the last three years, who might end up being the better player of the two, or you've got a kid with elite arm talent that is undersized and might have some real maturity problems, which is not how you go from having the first pick to having, you know, to being in the Super Bowl or being in the playoffs, the division around like C.J. Stroud this last year. Well, Peter King in his retirement column this morning dropped a little bombshell in there that he feels like the Bears are going to trade the first pick in the draft. How about with your feelings on the quarterback class being what they are, how ridiculous would it be for the team that would actually trade up? I just, I actually think, here's here because he had said. Think, think about that, to, to give up the yeah. assets required yep. to move up to one number spot. one. So Washington said so, his so thing. So that you can draft a guy that not a lot of people want, you know, like, Sounded like bedroom Daryl coming back. I think we got to get the careless whisperer back. No, that was a you. So the Peter thing was so interesting because he said trade from one to two, get next year's first rounder from Washington, trade from two to eight, and pick up next year's first and second from Atlanta. And I was like, at what point did the picks not matter? Like at what point? Like this, this it's pick pornography in the NFL. Like I saw some, yeah, but this is what the Browns did what, during their one and thirty-three, four and forty-four, and it didn't like, really work. Inevitably, it worked when you got uh, Baker Mayfield and Miles Garrett. Yeah, but in terms of all the other picks, how many picks did they blow last year? Or, last year, sorry. Uh, how many wide receivers did they take in twenty seventeen where none of them ended up being any good? Yeah, set the valve, anyone? Uh, oh, who's the kid from? Is it Jordan Payton, the kid out of UCLA? Yeah. yeah. By the way, you know who was taken in the fifth round? This was after three of the four wide receivers you would take and were off the board, Tyreek Hill. Great job there, guys. Wonderful analysis. But no, like Adam Rank suggested the Panthers should trade Derek Brown for a pick this year. And I'm like, what is this cycle of stupidity where you've got a high-level player and you're going to trade him for the right to take somebody who hopefully three years down the road is a high-level player. How do you not see that that proposition loses? Why? Because you don't want to pay him? Stop being cheap. Not that damn hard. I think what's interesting, you know, we've done the, what does Donovan mean when he says this? Is he protecting his teammate, right? And then is maybe he's setting the tone for 
his teammates. I think both things are probably true. When you get past what Donovan said about it, man, I think there's a real conversation about what's going on with Darius. I, My thing with Darius is I feel like he would be more explosive away from Donovan Mitchell than next to him. Mm-hmm. And that that's not a criticism of Donovan. That's not a criticism of Darius. And I think that by saying that, fans and others would think, oh, well, you're you're criticizing the combination. Yeah. I'm not. I just think that the Cavaliers, off, especially offensively, can get more out of both players. Yeah, I mean, effectively, the way you maximize Darius is put four shooters or scorers around him. Right. The way you maximize Donovan as a playmaker is putting at least three shooters, if not a fourth shooter, around Donovan. So the way that Donovan had his best success as a Cavalier to this point, I think is how you unlock Darius Garland. Well, my thing is, is look at how Donovan played when Darius was injured, okay? Mm -hmm. That was a lot of fun to watch. He ran the offense efficiently. He was scoring uh, explosively. Uh, the offense was was running really smooth. And I'm not here to say that the Cavs did not miss Darius Garland. Don't misunderstand me. But my point is, why can't you stick with that, which won you, what, 18 of 20 games, mm-hmm. right? Stick with that element and have Darius be your sixth guy with that with, with coming off the bench. Like, when when yeah, uh, when it, when it, when it's time for Donovan to get his first breather, Darius goes in. Well, the comparison would be when the the Thunder had young Russell Westbrook and young James Harden, and until the fourth quarter, they would stagger their minutes. Right. Very and, rarely did they play together because both guys were better when they had the ball in their hand and they were directing traffic. Right. For everybody. And, and you know, as we were having conversations over the years, as the Cavaliers went through this post-LeBron 2.0 rebuild, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting you bring up the Thunder. Like They drafted three NBA MVPs. Yeah. In they about have, two or three years? Yeah, and they have no championships to show for it. Yeah. So there's no guarantee, even when you hit on your draft picks, that it all is going to come together and, and get you to where ultimately you want to go. But... I think that what we're seeing with Donovan and Darius, that so, I just kind of feel like their skill sets kind of clash sometimes when they're on the floor together. Well, and and, I, and and again, that's not meant to be a criticism or negative. I just I I feel like they could both be better players with their own units, if that makes sense. And then you put them on the floor together in crunch time. So I think it is most noticeable when one of them is struggling. I think you really start to see where the overlap hurts either guy in the situation where we are right now, where Darius is struggling. Here's a question I have for you. When's the last time that you saw Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell go off together at the same time? Because I feel like this... In the last year, maybe? My perception of it is that it feels like, okay, one night is Donovan's night. Yeah. The next night is Darius's night, or the next couple of nights, or you see, what I'm saying? like it feels like there's an ebb and flow between those guys, where like they're they're volleying back and forth with the the dominant performances, if you will. Yeah. And okay, but the whole premise behind this was that they're both yeah. at the same time 
going bananas offensively, right? And we've not seen that. Yeah. We, we, well, we, I, we I see, think when Darius uh, first came off, you saw little stretches where as the, the talking Terry about ball when they're handler, on the floor. I'm talking about well, when they're no, on the floor together. No, that's what I'm talking about okay. real quick here. You saw a, a spurt here, a spurt there after Darius came off the injury, but I think a lot of that was fool's gold because I think I think it was Darius wasn't playing 35 minutes a night, and I think in that moment, because he was getting his legs back under him, he didn't need to have the ball in his hand, so he was a little bit more free to be open for that shot, and, the, and they were so hot that the shots he were getting organically on the court were ridiculous, and I think since they've kind of integrated him more in, I think you are seeing the offense stall. I think if you go and look at the three-point numbers, and it's not just about how many they're taking, but that's a good sign. They're not taking the same amount of three-pointers here recently. They're yeah, not scoring the same way. And here's the thing. Go look at the, the the shots they're taking. They're not making the extra pass routinely on the court. Right, and they, they've got to get back to that too because that's what got them hot as a team. And I, I feel like coming out of the all-star break, they've lost their identity a little bit mm-hmm. on, on the offensive end of the floor. And I don't and think it's, it's a coincidence that that's what Darius coming back. And I, again, I'm not trying to hammer the kid. Me neither. But like, and I, I, I'm not trying to criticize the the combo of those two guys. I'm I'm just looking at like, because I I know what people will say. Well, you you're you're saying bench Darius. No, I'm just saying bring him off the bench as that sixth guy. I don't even think you have so, to do that. So. I, but I think you're right. I think you're onto something. It, it's not going to work if you bench him. You're going to kill his confidence. What you do is the first six minutes of the game, Darius and Donovan play together. Okay. Then one of them go off the court. And then from that moment until the final six minutes of the fourth quarter, you ping them back and forth. Okay. You don't You don't need to play them for, at the same Can time. Can I get you the first four minutes together and then yeah, that's take fine. one off? That's fine. Absolutely. I think sick just because of that burn, that's because fair. you want to take – You've got to you've got to get yes. you know if you leave Darius out there and you take Donovan off for the breather or whatever you know what I'm saying yeah you've, you've got, got to an switch him out yeah, yeah. yeah but I but I I'm in 100 agreement and here's the thing I wonder if JB thinks that might not work in the playoffs why wouldn't right? it work in the playoffs um because the the court shortens up and you got to make sure your best players are playing as much as you possibly can and I understand that theory the problem is you're just trying to get both guys where they were. Oh, sorry, you, you're trying to get Donovan back to where he was six games ago, eight games ago, and you're trying to get Darius to where he was last year. And I think even if you just do it for the next two to four weeks, just get Darius going. Because this is a Debbie Downer moment. Darius is one of those guys, when he's not feeling it, and then you're juggling back and forth, hey, this is your possession, this is mine, this is my quarter, this is your quarter. And that's what this it feels, game. That, and that's what this whole thing feels but when like he between does it, them. When Donovan's having the down game, you do see him recede a little bit. You don't see him disappear. When Darius is having a bad game, and it's not just a bad game, it's a bad stretch of minutes. Right now, he's really disappearing. And I like you look at the last three minutes of how he executed in the last three minutes of yesterday's game. In a game where you're the better team, where they don't really have anybody stop either Darius or Donovan, he really did some things driving into double teams bad passes, bad possessions that you can't have late in games. And I think some of that is confidence. I think some of that is he's just struggling for his role as somebody similarly. And and the easiest way is to do what you say, which is, you know what? Until we get Darius and Donovan, we're both are giving us. And again, Darius, Donovan could give you 30 points a night if he wanted to and does. It's 28 points a game. That's never going to be Darius's game. 
But Darius comes alive as a scorer when he's making every, getting those shots for everybody around him. Remember what the conversation was after the Donovan Mitchell trade regarding Darius and his role? Yes. It, w- it was Darius is well. It, Darius is a team guy. He's he's willing to step back to make room for Donovan. And I wonder if that mentality is still in Darius's head that like I'm I'm taking a step back so Donovan can do his thing. You and, know the and, only and, thing and, and I hate about is, that. I understand, but if it is, I think it's I think that. They have to get that out of his head now. So this need is, you but, to take a step back for Donovan. But this is the danger in what I think you're saying is that I don't think it's as simple as, oh, this has been the case since like I think we're forgetting how efficient Darius was last year in his first year next to Donovan. Like the man shot a career high at three points uh, three pointer. He was taking the best three pointers. Um, if you look at his scoring numbers, his efficiency in scoring in general was better. And there were just little moments where he would take over the game, not just by three-point shooting, but because he'll actually attack the rim in a way that you do need, especially in the NBA playoffs. So I think this is a product of this year. Something is happening this year. Yeah. And I think it's I think it's easy, and, and it was the easiest thing for us to do is go, hadn't been the same before the injury, it wasn't the same with the injury. So is this confidence lag from the, the New York series? Is this a is this any conversation about expectations internally? Is this the pressure of winning, which which can really buckle on you when you're a young kid? Is is this quite frankly, they had a bad start to the season and you, it, like the snowball effect, it just got rolling downhill and then he got hurt and he never regained his confidence. I think that's the most likely, but I think those things are things like I I can't like it, it is to to what Donovan said at the start of the segment. It is one half of an NBA season. Problem is, you got to find a way that it doesn't turtle or doesn't dovetail into a uh, the second half of the season. And so that's why I think you're so on it when it comes to, hey, let's let's split him up a little bit. Let's give Darius time as a creator and see if you can jumpstart that confidence so he doesn't feel stifled. Right. Because I think when either guy's struggling, I do think they they step on each other's toes a little bit when they try to get going because then it's like, well, crap, i got to hand the, ba- the ball back over to them. Now, this could have been fixed if they ever implemented the offense they talked about in the preseason, which they never did. And that is something that I think we have to really point out to. The whole point of that offensive system they were going to go into was that you could have Darius and Donovan on the court at the same time and that the ball was going to flow more freely. Now it's too late. Now it is you got to figure out Darius. You got to make sure you don't mute Donovan and you got to get both guys where they need to be in the postseason. So I agree with you 100%. I think staggering and do a better job. You can do a better – and here's the thing, guys. You can do a better job at not just staggering those two. You can do a better job at staggering the bigs, too, which completely unlocks. Now, if Evan keeps hitting the three-pointers, it's a different thing. But, like, this is why I've talked about this second half is such – it's going to be the test of J.B. Bickerstaff's life. Because if you make it work, you're going to go deeper than people expect, and you're going to set yourself up for the next five years as Cavs head coach. You don't make it work – somebody else is going to be coaching this team next year. I'm not trying to be too dire about that, but I think the Darius thing's at the forefront. And if you don't at least try the staggering thing, I'm going to need some real I'm going to need some real reasoning why you don't. Cuz you don't want to get also you don't want to get to a point in the offseason where you pick one or the other. 
Yes. Or or that choice gets made for you. Yeah, if you listen, if you if you end up you want to be the the person making the decision, you don't want anyone if you're the one of those guys thinking they have to make the decision for you. Right. So, if you can get them both going and you can reinstitute Darius's immense trade value, all of a sudden you're sitting pretty going into the offseason. So it's it's just so weird how there is it's not just about how many games you're winning. It's not just about, well, how deep in the playoffs do you go? It's about how effectively are you using them. And I, I'll go back on it again. I think staggering them going forward, as soon as the very next game, the longer you put it off, the le- the longer it's uh, the less it's going to have to take root and and help fix whatever short term confidence issues are with Darius. And if you don't fix them going to the playoffs, good luck. I mean, you're already you've already got a team that can get out physical and pushed around. You don't want to turn Darius's problem into a mental problem or a mental hurdle for the team. I thought JB also, if you guys didn't hear the five of five, I gave that man his flowers. Um, and I know a lot of people in town really love the give them their flowers thing. And so I just I gave him his flowers. What kind? Roses? Um, I, whatever his favorite flowers are. You don't just give somebody I, you gotta know the person, right? Right. Like, JB strikes me as a guy, if I gave him roses, he'd be like, this is basic. Like, this is, you could give this to anybody. So maybe he's, uh... Peace lilies. Why, why did you go there? Do you, think, do you have an inside knowledge? Do you think he loves peace lilies? Well... I was going to go, you, like, you, lilac. I was thinking oh, of something off the beaten path. Well, I, so was I, but, you know, because usually critical of the messaging coming from JB, and that was your offer of peace. I like that symbolism. Yes, the symbology. Of I'm it. big. I'm big on symbolism. I not so much on symbology, but definitely a fan of symbolism. So we were talking about Darius. Just we we're going by, but you you heard the the messaging change. You can give us some flowers this weekend for daylight saving time. You uh, you heard the messaging change with both Donovan and JB there, and I think that yes. You need more people echoing that message. But here's the thing, guys. Messaging's cool. I got to see it on the court. And so much... That's when you know it's working. Well, and listen, part of my fear is that this is just who the Cavs are when at full health. Part of me, you know, part of this is, well, JB's not going to play Sam Merrill unless he absolutely has, it. it's, you know, zero hour and he has no other choice. He's become the new Lamar Stevens. Uh, <laughs> part of this is JB's going to be stubborn about how he plays the guards, whether he plays them together, staggering like we talked about. And part of this is when you overlap the guards too much, you're going to slow down your pace because there's too much dribbling and not enough ball movement. And so, like, that does scare me. Like, this version of the Cavs where the offense is slowed down and the defense is still good, but, like, guys – you can't just have a good defense going into the playoffs. So much of why they had a good defense was they were also – it was it really is this team more than any team I've ever seen. Like you could have – like those Detroit uh, Pistons teams where they were elite defensively. Yeah, they'd have some good nights offensively. And they also were back then were allowed to just beat the you-know-what out of people. That helped. But the point is it wasn't cyclical. It wasn't, well, the defense being elite impacts the offense. It was the defense is always elite, and in sporadic matchups, you're going to get great performance out of Rip Hamilton or Tyshawn Prince or Chauncey. Like, it really was. The defense was the constant. With the Cavs, in a way that – and I don't know if this is just a, a, the way the NBA works now, which might, which might be. 
which is the league is so run heavy. You know, 10 up, 10 down. You know, 12 up, 11 down. It's so run heavy that the Cavs, like, if they're if they're not playing elite offensively, the defense is going to suffer. Right. And if they're not playing elite defensively, the offense is going to suffer. And it's just – and it's weird because, like, they should be good at both. I think they're built to be a great defensive team and shoot a crap load of threes – but, like, the three ball by itself is a pretty fluky kind of thing. You're going to have some off nights. But there are just nights where, again, because I think it's all tied back to confidence. Confidence or – I don't I don't want to use the E word. I think they play hard. I don't think it's about effort. But they just get in their own way so much, and when it happens offensively, it bleeds to the defense. And it doesn't mean they're not playing good defense. It just means they're not playing the best defense. And then, conversely, on offense. So – I don't know how much of that is just the natural construction of this team, but you got to figure it out because you're too talented to be having, even in a four-game set, five-game set, you're too talented to be doing whatever this basketball has been the last five games after you were the hottest team of the NBA for for you know one quarter of the NBA season. Yeah, and you're in this stretch where you're playing a lot of basketball in a short amount of time. Because yeah. remember, going into the All-Star break, they, they played four or five fewer games than the Milwaukee Bucks had. And much of their lead was a result of the loss column, which is obviously if you're going to have a lead in in a, a, a division, you want it to be uh, in that loss column. But they're making up, you know what I mean? The Bucks are now getting the breakdown down the stretch here in the second half of the season. And the Bucks the are now one game back off you. Right. So this is challenging on multiple fronts mentally because you've got – you're trying to get – back to where you were before the All-Star break, not a lot of rest in between, you know, not a lot of practice time in between. And then also at the same time, there's the tentacle what we were talking about with the Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell dynamic and getting Darius back to the prolific player that he can be. But it feels like that that they're struggling to to balance those two guys. And when Donovan's going, Darius isn't going. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a problem. And, and and that's not just a this year thing. Like, that's been since the trade. Like, we've not seen both of these guys at the same time on the floor together go off well, with and, any type of cons- consistency or regularity. And that's why I think it's so tough. Like, do you, do you – right? because right now it's Darius that's being impacted by it. But I think we saw last night. I mean, Donovan wasn't his usual killer self either. So, like, do you hammer the kid? Who's who's clearly still not where he needs to be? Do you hammer like wh- where's the fix here? Because I think because it might just be the the flaws in the 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 flaws in the Death Star, the flaws in the plans, and I think that's the the unanswerable question about the Cavaliers. See, I don't think it's unanswerable though. I I think we I think we've solved the problem to the point of I welcome I, JB. Yeah, give to, me my flowers. That where's my damn piece, Lily? To the point of, I will try and get that in. Uh, I'm, I'm, I plan to try and ask JB about that tomorrow night. Um, ask him about, hey, have you given some thought about, st- you know, you start those two guys together, but then stagger them, rotate them in and out so that both guys have the opportunity to run their own floor independent of each other. And then obviously when you get to crunch time, well, so you, you put them back out there. I think that's a potential fix. But I think, like, I think that's something you got to start with. I also think you have to ask yourself if if Darius can't figure this out by the end of this year. And I don't want to call it a lost year. 
guy's still averaging 18 points a game. Guy's still a very nice player in the NBA. But I think the concern twofold is, one, if you were to decide we got to choose before between Donovan and Darius this summer and Donovan agrees to stay here long term, the, the value on Darius is going to be a little bit less than what it would be because he's having a down season. The second concern, and maybe the bigger concern for me is, I think it will limit you in the playoffs. Like, I listen, the best case scenario is Darius and Donovan find it together. They slingshot again. They're shooting all these great threes. The offense bounces back, and you waltz to the second seed into the playoffs while Evan Mobley's still hitting his three-pointers. Because if, if, if Darius just is who he was for a majority of the regular season last year, and Evan pings forward by shooting three uh, three three-pointers a game right. at a 35% clip, that's a team that can do real damage, even if we got to be concerned about a few specific matchups. If, let's say, Evan kind of is where he is right now, where it's really encouraging, but it's not leaps and bounds, right? In the second half, he's still shooting one to one and a half three-pointers a game. Because I don't know if the confidence for him is there to be that's, taken. And that's fair. Because we've seen in games where he's had opportunities to take more, and he's passed it up. And we'll see about that. That's a work in progress. But if, let's say, it's just where it is now, and then Darius can't get it right, I don't know you're going to make it out of the first round. And that is that's that would kind be of a, a, that's a very scary, unpleasant proposition. That to think would about. be cataclysmic for this team because all of a sudden the, the decision with Donovan, I think, is going to be vastly different. Right. And and again, I don't know he'll definitively come out and say in that what I just said. He'll come out this July and say, uh, just so you know, I'm not signing here, or just so you know, I'll sign here, but I I'm not all I'm going to be forcing my way out. Uh, I don't know he'll definitively do that. I hope he gives them time. If he does decide it, but I, I said this earlier, and I really think when you, whenever you start to contemplate Darius Donovan together, you want to be the one making the decision. The sin in Portland is they never contemplated the question. Well, yeah, we can win with Damon CJ because the risk was too great. But but that's because those were that was it. After Lamarcus Aldridge, it was those guys and and. Yusuf Nurkic and those guys and a third guy who wasn't good enough to fill in the gap if you made a bad trade. Here, yes, you do. This is a spot where, like, you've got the talent here that you want to be making that decision. And this offseason, it, it's not just about Donovan and Cleveland. It's about Donovan and Darius together. And when I say this offseason, I mean this postseason. That's what I mean. So... The one of the more cataclysmic things that could happen is Darius doesn't get it right in the regular season, and that's again. I just always look for speed bumps out there. I think you're okay. I want this to be okay, but man, Darius's performance and performance in winning moments is something that I think is is to be watched and to be to be watched with bated breath, Daryl. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with you and your worst case scenario isn't something that I even want to consider to have to entertain and I don't think we need to today but it's it's a valid thing to say that could happen but yeah but when you look at just the dynamic and how that has been working since this trade and this isn't a matter of who's a good player not a good player who's the better player whatever it's it's about getting the engine running on all cylinders going into the playoffs and whatever it takes to make that happen. I understand you want those guys on the floor together to come the postseason, but first, 
I think you got to get Darius jump started a little bit. So I knew the mood that you were in, and I'm like, ah, the Guardians are going to have Miles Straw in the two hole, and immediately you were like. <laughs> you were the Price is Right theme when you get zero on Plinko. I'm like, yeah, whatever. Like, I just... It's spring training game number three. Uh, I, I mean, hey, listen. You know, I, I give the Gardos credit on uh, on the, the socials there. You know, pumping up that Austin Hedges home run. All right. That was his home run for the year. Excellent. I just, I, you know what? Honestly, I, I can't get into spring training like I have in years past. Like oh, I always don't be disingenuous. No, this I, was not about spring training. Yeah, it is. No, 100%. no, no. Don't 100%. you do this. Don't you say something different on air that we talked about off oh, air? Hold up. Like an hour ago, you did admit that you fewer things get you excited than the the Guardians this season. Well, I mean, I'm as excited Wait, about Guardians spring training as Mac is being here today because he's all excited for his voyage. In his was hunt gonna, wait, to the West. No, fewer things get him less excited than the Guardians this Okay, season. I thought yeah. you were saying I said that. No, no, like, no, I don't no, no, Daryl said that. But, okay, but I don't, yeah, like, I don't understand why. I So, here's the thing. You wonder why? Because the offseason was so quiet and boring. And that's that, that's not just the Guardians thing. That's a Major League Baseball thing. Yeah, you just Problem. described 25 teams in baseball. I, I know. Five teams spent. But they weren't that great last year to begin with, right? And I just... You know, don't know how much better they're going to be than they were a year ago. I'm going to single-handedly. I'm on a mission to civilize. Uh, civilize. You're going to what? God. I'm on a mission. <laughs> uh, I'm on a mission to civilize is what I was trying to say. You're on it a is, mission to civilize? It has been a damn day for me, man. What the hell? I'm on a mission and to civilize. And you're blaming it on me, by the I'm way. I'm on a mission to civilize. And the people I'm trying to civilize today are... M- Unhappy. I'm trying to find the right word. Guardians. <laughs> Clearly, fan. you've been trying to find the right, right word a lot today, and we've almost done it. We've almost got the word. But I'm on a mission to civilize Guardians fans that constantly can't be happy. Okay. And the reality is, think about how bad, like the domino effect. I, I, of- I, by the way, I want to apologize. I I was not as excited about the spring training lineup that. No. Vote with throwing out there today as you no, were. No, this see, you're. Oh, you are. You are slippery wizarding. This. You are trying to move the goalpost. I'm not moving you the goalpost. Yes, you did. <laughs> nope. You said you were not. You were nope. not inspired by the Cleveland Guardians. I am very uninspired and, right and, now. And yes, okay, but it was not about spring and training. It, and, and I'm not hiding it. But here's the thing. You're wrong. H- have I hid it? Have I been hiding it? You keep trying to couch it as oh, good spring training. BS. BS. You are. It's okay. It's, it's a safe place before I take out the mallet and try and bash you on the head with it. It's a safe place. So you're going to butter me up with a bunch of compliments uh, first? It's about time we send you to meet the rabbits there, George. But the reality is, this conversation, what irritates me is people don't understand how badly things had to go last year to get where they were. Yes, they won 76 games. Yes, it was their worst season where they we clearly thought they could follow up what they did in 2022. I totally get the disappointment factor. Their rotation was savaged by injury. Injury. I get it. And they ended up having to fill in with three young arms who nobody thought they could count on. And then they were the, pretty good. Well, okay, but they weren't able to fill the innings. They were able to fill some of the innings, but not all the innings. That led to completely butchering the bullpen through most of that season where you had to rely too much on them. And all of a sudden, the because the pitchers got hurt, all of a sudden, when Tristan got hurt, when Bieber got hurt, 
when all these guys got hurt, you saw the lineup start to struggle even more and more because they were trying to make up for it, and they couldn't. So the approach suffered. So as bad as the offense was last year, about 25% of the stink was the fact that guys, the guys that you know were not having quality at-bats. Stephen Kwan had a lot more bad at-bats last year than his rookie year. Andres Jimenez was damn near unplayable at points last year because he was pressing too hard. Hosey had stretches where he pressed too hard. Naylor was pretty consistent last year. But those four best hitters didn't really carry the load for most of the season. So you've got a starting rotation that is trying to match what the rotation did a year before. They didn't because they couldn't fill the innings and be as good. All right? Then you've got the bullpen. The bullpen, if if you have a, a shoddy lineup, you've got to ride the, the, the bullpen even more. Then you got to ride it even more because of the injuries. So nothing went right. Like Bo Naylor being really good. The, 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 the rookie three pitchers that being good enough to stay in the lineup and not have to go back down to AAA. The catching disaster at the beginning of the season. Like, well, no, I'm saying the good things that happened, oh, Daryl. Oh, We're mentioning the oh, good things that happened oh, right now. Oh, my You're bad. You're trying to Debbie Downer me here in the middle of my, my, my thing. Those four things were what went right. And by the way, they were actually at 500 until this front office, and this is where I'm going to criticize, decided to trade two of their players away to try and save salary on Josh Bell and to get a nice prospect for Aaron Savali while you were technically in it in the division. So if they don't make those trades, you saw that team crater after those deals. You saw Josh Naylor have to give it up and basically say, I'm not playing hurt for a team that isn't trying to win. So that's as bad as things got, as, as far off the rails as thing got. They won 76 games. That's as bad as it was. All of a sudden, you've got a healthy staff where um, – who do you think was the best of the rookie starters last year? Bybee. Yeah. He's probably going to be your third starter. So the guy who was acting as your young ace last year is now your third starter. Gavin Williams, four. Probably Logan Allen, five. All right? Now you've got one more and guy. You got, and you have Bieber for half the season. Um, Well, to this point. We'll see about that. We'll see. Basically, you're going into the year thinking. We'll see. Trade we'll deadline. See. But again, that's a negative mindset. I'm not doing that. You have Bieber atop your your lineup. And I right have him now, for three months. I'm not doing that. I'm not playing but, into your negative spin on it. Because if you end up, if you end up balling out. That's no. how the front office is going in. We'll see where no, we are. See, that's what pisses we, me off. We'll right see, here, <laughs> this is where we're going to we'll get to see, it. We'll, no. see, we'll see where they are at, yeah. at the trade deadline. And if they're 10 games above 500, they they're not trading Shane Bieber. Are you it sure about that? It wouldn't make sense. Yes, because they weren't 10 games above 500 when they traded Savali. But you're already counting the losses. Stop it. This is a good franchise. We're not I, Kansas City for the love of God. I'm not saying they're a bad no, franchise. No, no, no. But no, what you're saying and, and all the negative Nancys, oh, yeah, okay. I mean, they do spend everybody this offseason. Guys, do, that's never been what they win with. But they do have to keep the tradition of trading their Cy Young Award winners alive. I'm not. No, I'm not engaging yes, in it. Yes, they do. I'm not engaging in this. Yes, Because you are. the reality, no, I'm not. Because you're, you're yelling and screaming, you're no, engaging. Because now you've made me mad. Now I'm seeing red toro toro the big bulls on the march the point is that that is a negative mindset you've got a strong starting five or starting one through five in the rotation you've got one extra high leverage until man, july one extra high leverage man of the bullpen and here's the thing you have five good hitters you need to find two or three more and so between uh let's see you've got the nailers that's two you've got jimenez you've got Quan, you've got hosey 
So between all the other positions, Manzardo's hitting the cover off the ball in spring. Let's, that might be a six. And if you can just platoon the hell out of the outfield, you have a chance at having a decent lineup. They'll never be world beaters until they get real pop in that lineup. But they have a chance to do what they did two years ago, which is stylistically Tito gave up on the hit and run element that right. was so successful two years ago. This year, Stephen Vogt has said, yeah, that's how we got to win. So for whatever reason, Tito was just out on doing the thing that made you win the year before. And I'm not trying to turn this into Bash Tito. It was his biggest, what the hell are you doing last year? So stylistically, you're going to play the way you should play. And I just, this fatalistic thing of just, well, they don't spend enough. Who cares? They compete. See, they see, compete for me, every single year. They win. They do this. This is what they do. Why don't we just give them a chance to do that thing that they do really well? I love that movie, That Thing You Do, by the way. I'm not arguing about the spending. I'm arguing about the roster changes. Like, Austin Hedges was the big move. And the reason they brought Austin Hedges back was not because he'll give you a good 200 platooning a catcher. It's so that he can be the guy in the clubhouse to work with the young guys. Most importantly, work with Bo because you want to get a... We talk about what? 100, maybe 110 starts behind the plate from him. And then the rest of his um, his playing time will be at DH, right? Scott, Scott Barlow is the big move, by the way. It is disingenuous and negative thinking to think Austin Hedges was the big move. Stop raining on my sarcasm. No, no. Continue, though. Austin Hedges, big move. What else? What else you got here? I'll start. Sw- I'm just going to keep swatting him down. What? <laughs> That's That could be a gun or it could be a cougar. You never know with me. All right. Look out, Mac. I'm from Manaway. You never know what we're going to throw at you. All right. Is that that's, a ninja star or is that a machete? We'll never is, know. That's what Mac is hoping here all weekend or all week, I should say, in Indianapolis. But I just think this idea of, oh, I'm not feeling the garland. The, the garland? The garlic. Uh, the, the guardians. I just, I don't. The point is, baseball is back. This the is point the first, is, this I will team, say this. This is the first time where I. Didn't realize pitchers and catchers reported for spring training until I saw the Guardians post pitchers and catchers reported for spring training. I think we can all agree that baseball has some real problems with killing the hot stove with the economics in general. I think they're made worse by the Dolan's apprehension to really invest consistently from year to year. Those things are fair. And and, and to be fair to them, when they have had or felt that the club was in a position where they could invest. Yes. See, post-2016, the World Series, the two years after that, they did invest in the team. They just didn't get the results from those investments that they were looking for. All those things can be fair. All those things can be fair. I swear, I didn't throw that at you. Yeah, I'm sure you didn't. But all those things can be fair criticisms of baseball or ownership, and you're still missing the ever-loving point. In an era where there are two small market teams consistently competing every single year. Last year's the anomaly for Cleveland, but almost every year Cleveland has rebuilt and done something interesting. It's Tampa Bay and it's Cleveland. Go to almost every other similar market in baseball. I've mentioned Kansas City. I have mentioned Milwaukee. Baltimore's on the rise right now in that um, AL East. I don't really consider Baltimore a small market, but I understand what you're saying. But like, I think they qualify as a the, small market. But the Oakland soon-to-be Vegas A's. Like, look at almost every other small market team in baseball, and they're not doing consistently well. And listen, I get it. Last year was a disappointment. Two years ago was a surprise. The year before that, I believe, was 
the first year after trading Lindor and yeah. Clevenger. The year before, that's COVID. So if you look at it just from 2020 to now, it doesn't look that impressive. They have been in the middle of a rebuild. And year one, was that 2022 was probably a bit of a false start. But they have talent. They've got guys. And I just, I, I, I am excited. I'm excited to see because I think if the rotation is healthy and that's going to save the bullpen, I think if that's the only thing that happens, I think you're going to have a chance to be really, really competitive. I don't know how the first month or two looks because cold weather bats. I think always... we kn- I think we know how the first two months are going to look. Well, that's if the that's depending on what you get out of the rotation. But I'm not fait accompli that the sky is falling or that this sucks. I'm not, or that... I'm not saying the sky's falling. Yeah, it's but just, you're just, not... your energy is so low yeah. T. All right? Yeah. I need to send you to, yeah. I need to send you it to, is. to I'm Affinity, not, I'm not to our hiding. boys down the road. I need I... to send you there because I just I need a little bit more testosterone. I need a little bit more chest thumping. I need a little bit more excitement out of you. For the Guardians, right now? When? What's it going to take? June. That's four months away. So what do you need to see? They need to be five games above 500. When are you going to buy back into this team? June. So June 1st, you're going to flip the switch and Daryl's <laughs> going to be a different guy? <laughs> no, I, I just, I, I want to see how this thing starts. Um, so you want to, you want to, you want to have one toe on the bandwagon is what I'm understanding. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm not, I'm not starting to, I am, I am not like you where like I'm getting my playoff tickets now. They have talent. I'm not getting my play. I'm just saying they have talent. This, this Look, we, we should expect them to be above 500. I've they're got, a good team. I think that they're going to be around 80 wins. I think that's where they're going to end up being. Around 80 wins. When everybody's saying the same thing about the Guardians, it makes me roll my eyes. That's all. Okay, fair. And and I attacked you. They're going to win 80 to 82 games this year. No, they're, I think they're going to win 86 games or more. Okay. See I, in the wild I, card. I actually think they've got a real chance to win the division. Detroit did diddly squat. Um, they're actually in a same, despite being a much bigger market, um, they really are just counting on the young guys getting better. Um, looking at Chicago, Chicago actively got worse. Minnesota yeah. kind of got better. Margot was a the guy they added today. That's an okay ad. I'm interested like, to see what Kansas city is going to do. I think they're going to be a 65 win team. I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they'll finally crawl out of the dweller. I, I John Sherman did the thing that, that, I. Uh, I almost called him a young owner. He's an older man. But that guys who are new to ownership do, which is, man, that 55-win season really dinged my attendance. I'm going to go spend on a bunch of guys who do not Don't. move the needle. Yeah, And, like, I'll be honest with you, you would have been better telling up all that money and putting it into a three-year $80 million for Cody Bellinger, that kind of trade, than do the incremental moves. And it's also it's not great when those are the only kind of moves you want to make. Because it tells me you know you don't have depth. And I get it. 1 through 25 matters in baseball. When you're trying to put butts in seats, you should probably just spend on one. Right? You should spend on a guy who that's can what make... The, that's what the Guardians did with Jose. Well, you got to me, it's about protecting Bobby Wood Jr. If that's the only guy... I know Salvador Perez. I know... Like, they've got, they've got some okay players there. Man, you don't have anybody you're going to put behind Bobby Wood Jr. And he's just going to continue... People are just going to continue to pick him apart. So... I think I think the Guardians are in a very good situation. We'll I almost want to do uh, a, a header behind bet of above, you know, eighty-one wins or below, and force you to commit. No, on the well, spot. I think it. I think the um, 
it would need to be like 84. Because I, no, I think, no, no, it would. Here's why: because I think that they're in that 80 to 82 range. Like I think that that's where they're. I said they're gonna be around 500. About 81 wins. I think you should stick to it. I I might even give you 82 wins. I might even give you 82 and 80. I'm not giving you 84. I'm the one no, on no, the no, limb. No, 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 no. I'm not saying I want 84. I'm saying that's where the line should be, so I can get up to 83. No, because 83 is around. 83 is still you're up. You're around 500. You're not. No. No, when you get to think, 84, then there's some separation. No, if you're a 10-win team in baseball, or a 10-win team in the NFL, we're not like, oh, If you're a 10-win oh, team in baseball, your season ended, well, You're, you're probably the, training. the 2024 Oakland A's. <laughs> yeah. Or Salt Lake, Salt Lake City A's, wherever it's going to be. The Vegas um, A's. So The Vegas Aces or whatever No, I'll give call. you the 82 wins. I'll give you 80, 82 wins, 81 wins, 80 and on down. I'm not giving no. You won't I'm, give you won't give me 83. Honestly, I shouldn't even give you 82. Why? Because I'm the one going on the limb. They're a 76 win team, and I'm the one saying I think it could be drastically better. You're saying 86. I'm but still, in 82 wins, you're getting a six win improvement year over year. Yeah, and I think that that's absolutely doable. And where no, they're at. I'm gonna need you know what? I'm gonna need the other bastards on this show. I poor Keith is actually doing something right now. Yeah, he's he's I, he's talking he's to He's ignoring uh, us. Yeah, he's talking Mac, to Mac, can yeah. you can you play uh, this is the worst decision we've ever made. But can, <laughs> you're right, can you it is. can we steal you away from cougar hunting for five seconds? And it, it, in any episode, it's gonna happen. It's okay. Um can we can we just get a ruling here? Can we can can I get you to agree? The prosecution would like it on the record. That Daryl said they were about an 81-win team and then immediately tried to push it to 84 wins. I tried to push it to 83, not He's, 84. He said 80 to 82 is what he thought was the win total for this year. So I don't think asking for one extra at 83 is unreasonable. I do because you're still you're still the one playing it safe. I'd say market it right now. I'd say market at 82 and a half. No, that's not that's what's this isn't Vegas. Over under. That's what I'm saying. If you want to take the if you want to take the over, just, that's you the get same that. thing as saying 82 though. I want 83 and a half. I think we just pissed Mac off. Keith, can you can you weigh in on this? He wasn't. He doesn't know where we're doing. Oh, I, I guarantee you, the man pays attention. Yeah, I I heard Daryl say eighty-one. Okay. Yeah. So it is. I'm being kind. I'm being generous to give, to give him the eighty-second game. Yes. I mean, it's one game. Is it that generous? Yes, because I'm the one on the limb. I'm the only you're, person you're the in Cleveland governor, saying they Why? Because that puts him over the five hundred mark. Is that why you're saying that? Well, yes, that way he. I'm giving him some wiggle room on they can be a 500 team. I actually think that – I'm curious. I think Daryl might be in the minority of people who think they're going to be above 500. <laughs> I think there's oh. a lot of people in this town. I think probably better than 50% think they're going to be under I think they're going to be 81 and 81. Should we do 82 poll? or 80. <laughs> It'll only be or our 20th poll today. 83 and 79. All right. So, I'm going to put it out. Are you really? Yes, I'm going to. All right. Can you tag Daryl in it so I can see it so I don't have to search for it every damn time? And Nick Wilson says, at writer, wrong, F-A-N. I remembered it. Um, so so what you're saying is, so you think you're the mid here? Yeah. Like, if I'm the homer, right. the haters are saying 78 wins. Right, and so, I'm in the middle. No, I no, I think, I think you, I'm good. I'm, here's the thing. You're, you're, no, because you're, 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 so you're, 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 you're trying to pre- make me the hater. Yes, okay, you that are. Is, yeah. well, no, I'm not making you the hater. You're making the hater no, 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 with I'm your not. lack of enthusiasm. No, I, right? I think I they're a fight. I'm sorry. I don't get excited about a 500 baseball team. 
But yet, when the Browns go 500, woo! well, hey, yeah, well, hey, yeah, that's well, considering what they've been the last 25 years, that's causes for statues and parades. You right. also said you wouldn't buy in until June. Well, I want to see what I want to see what June they 15th. It was just June. Yeah. Because I feel like you could really play with that. You begin to June. No, I didn't mean June first. Exactly. I meant June. That's exactly why I said that. So I had up until June thirtieth to commit. That is so. That is that is just not okay. Uh, Chef Will saying uh, Tribe one hundred and seventeen wins. Huh? How stupid are you going to look when you fought over eighty two wins when we get our one hundred and seventeen wins? Uh, listen, if they win one hundred and seventeen games, Nick, I'll buy you dinner. And I realize what a financial commitment that could be for me. I don't think it's enough. No. I've had co-hosts buy me shoes and buy me knives. I need something real here. <laughs> All right, I need I need new golf clubs if they're going to win 117 games. I, if I win the bet, I'm going to get dinner out of this. All right, but if if I they if they win 83 games or more, I'm going to get dinner out of this. All right, yes, 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 no, no, because no, no, no. Then I, we're going to put a burger on the line. Burger bets and real men never squelch on burger bets. All right, uh, unless you know they're what? vegan. That's fair. That's fair. All right. Uh, I'll do a burger but, bet for but you. But not a – oh, Swenson's. Can we agree? Oh, yeah. I just didn't want it to be like uh, one of those oh, other no, no, no. fast I'm food not, joints. I, yeah, I'm not taking right. you to a fast food yeah. joint. But we don't need to mention them because right, I realize you, now I'm pissing off the sales staff by talking right, about this all No, here. I mean, if you want to – you know, and anywhere that serves a burger, all right. it's a burger bet. The Guardians win more – or no, I'm sorry. If the Guardians win 84 or more, no, you get a burger. 83. No, because what happened to 82? I get – yeah, because he's moving the line because he's well, not feeling so out. All right, so hey, let me look at my poll. <laughs> Hang on, the poll's out. All right. Bra- breaking news. Dar- Keith put out another poll. This is the seventh one today. Nick and Daryl want to know where do the Guardians fans or where do Guardians fans think this team finishes? I'm voting above 500. Now, 82 Wait, I- wins or below, I buy you a burger. 83 wins or more, and I'm getting that burger from you. So if they win 83 games, no. See here you go, moving the goal because no, that's the goalposts have been the same. You're no, the one. It's not. You're Mr. No. 500, and now right. you're, you're you're changing the terms of the bet. You you said Matt, 86 wins. You said at this. least 86 wins. You said at least 86 wins. But this is not about my prediction. It's about yours, which is caca. But, Mac, what did he say? He did, said 80 to 82 wins for the season. Bam. Wham, bam, thank you, man. And I'm asking for 83. No. Anything up to 83? He said no. (laughs) Can I get 84? Yeah. Can I get 85? Can I get 85? Can I get 85? 86, 86, No, we're not doing that. You got 82. That is a gift. If you continue to argue, you'll have 81 and you'll like it. Okay? That's not how the bit works. By the way, this this poll here, um, the above 500, 500, or below 500, I don't... So I well, well, it's, it's seven votes. Here. It's seven votes. I'm not gonna over, but I'm actually no, we're, 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 we're actually we're up to 19. All right. Well, let me let me see here. All right. So I'm gonna say wow. above. Well, I'm gonna say above 500 then, because 82 and 80 is above 500. Okay. So if they go 82 and 80 or worse, I buy you a burger. And if they win 83 games or more, I'm gonna go broke buying you a burger. Broke. It's just two bros broing out. Just a couple guys enjoying burgers and shakes. And yes, I'm going to ask for the shake too. You know what? I'm throwing the shake into the deal. Can we agree? Because we're going to the place, the local place, so we don't have to mention it on air. Okay. It's a it's a burger. It's one side, and it's a shake. 
Oh, so wait a minute. <laughs> He's giving me grief for wanting an 83rd what? win. Who's going to go to that the, place and, and only we went, get a burger? We went from a burger, then a burger You're gonna and You're going to spend five bucks. Oh, then, wow. Look and, at Mr. Moneybanks here. And, and then he wants a side with it. I think somebody's no longer confident because he realized it might cost him $10. <laughs> The numbers don't lie, and they spell disaster for you. I know exactly what that 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 order. It's going to be a double cheeseburger with bacon, but <laughs> potato teasers that gives it away, and a shake. <laughs> it's going to cost you about twelve fifty. All right, mostly because I'm going to order a large shake. Twelve fifty. Put them on the line for twelve fifty, friend, because I could be doing that. I could be costing twelve fifty. Right. You got a rookie manager. They can't hit. They're going to trade Bieber by June. Or whatever your take I say, was, I July. Say end of July. Yeah, you go three months of Bieber, right? Emmanuel Classe sucks. You didn't say that. I did but not some, say you that. You didn't say that, but other people have said that. Below 500 is taking the lead. Mm. Oh, so I'm not a hater after all for saying that they're going to be around 500 or a little above 500. Well, earlier you tried to take the win on above 500, so what you what yeah. is it? I, I, I voted above 500. Well, 82 and 80 so is 80 above, 82 wins. Now you can have both. <laughs> 82 wins is above 500. But then 80s below, so you get what you get both. Yeah, exactly. I get I, two for one. I think somebody's very afraid of losing the burger, the potato teasers. I'm just afraid of the prospect of having to feed you for a 12.50, night. Twelve fifty. I just told you. Tops. Okay. It's twelve fifty. You started with a burger, then you wanted a shake, and now you wanted well, yeah, you wanted not, a side. You want? I'm not. You want dessert with that too? With now, while we're at it. Well, the shake is both your drink uh, and okay. a dessert. I'll if I want an extra drink to sip on because you, know, you get parched when you eat a lot of salty stuff. I'll ask for that as well. Tops is 15 bucks. Tops is 15 bucks. And you're giving me grief because I want an 83rd. And here's the thing. Unlike you, I'm not chintzy with it. I'll get you the double cheeseburger. I'll get, If you want a second order potato teasers, they're damn good. Mike, real quick here, buddy. What you got for us? And I'm telling you what, all things considered, no injuries like last year. I think they win 84, 85 games this year in this crappy division. And, I mean, it's not like they've gone 40 years without winning their division. Mm. This team is competitive every year. That's what I'm talking about, Mike. I mean, the 84 to 85 men wins didn't make a move all the way. But when you talked about the division you thing. Got, you got 86. No. You're, you I said 80, they're going to win 86. You said they're going to okay, win 86 that's, and that's, win the division. Mike, we appreciate you, buddy. Thank you very much. As we um, shout at each other again. Okay, but that's not what the bet's on. Just right. so we're clear. Right. But, yeah, they're going to win 86 games or more. I'm not going to lock it in that they're going to win the division, but 86 games or more, yeah. What are you willing to put on the line for that 86 or more? Wait, so are we doing a double bet? <laughs> I'm just saying. You're, you're, you know. That's why so I said it's it should... not bad enough. We just played one-upsmanship about, about Twitter polls on the air. Now we've got to one-up a bet that we literally just <laughs> yeah. made. Yeah. What do you want? What, 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 if they don't, what if they don't win 86? Oh, no, no, no. It's what do I get versus what do I have to give up? But no, so what you're, if, you're, no, say, no, you're no. saying 86. So well, what, in, in what, if they original, don't get, what if they don't get to 86? What if they win 85 games? Then I don't, then I'm not right. I don't know. Because here's the thing. I, I in, see. I think there should be consequences no, for that. Because if they, the if they win, because if there's, if they win 83 games, I have to buy you uh, a burger, uh, a side and uh, a milkshake and an extra drink. A milkshake and, and a drink. And if you, Jeez. and if they lose. And like maybe a, a burger maybe a, a maybe a second burger depending on how hungry I am. But you ain't going small in that shake either. No, no, of course. <laughs> oh, trust Large me. peanut butter shake. That's the way you do Keith, it. 
Why do you think I'm so apprehensive to bet him food? It's not a burger. It's a double burger, too. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, Because you add another patty to well, that. Well, yeah, because those burgers are a little smaller, so it's not like a real burger. you got to get two patties. Be thankful I don't go for a triple patty. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh, Johnny O on Twitter saying uh, 78 wins. Uh, no, no. The point is, in our initial bet, which stands for record now, I wager something, you wager something, both one of us will win, one of us will lose. And the idea of you should just lose something if they don't win eighty six games. Here's what it should be: if they if they win eighty two or less, I win. And for you to win, they have to win eighty six. So there's a there's a, there's, there's a, a Switzerland it, in between. Yes, there's a draw in between. No, if it's no. 83, 84, 85, it's a draw. We already metaphorically. Shake, shook on it, shaked on it, shook, shook. on it. That's the one. You're really struggling with the English language. He's just thinking about the milkshake. I was thinking about the milkshake. Thank you, Keith. That's 100% what happened. 